The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk.
Good evening, Alan. Welcome to the Late Night Alternative. I'm Ian Lee. Who are you, lady? Catherine Boyle. Amy's on the phone. 0344-499-1000. It's distorting in my head, but I have slightly different headphones in. Is it sounding okay out there? Beautiful. Then that's just the way it goes sometimes. Alan, what have you got for us tonight? Well, I've got theory about this whole Brexit thing. Oh, well, are we doing the B word? Really? Well, I've got theory, but it's treated like a game show. Go on, then. It's in, it, I'll be my job as an in-all Edmund, because it's steal or no deal. Good one. Yeah, Boris Johnson's just like, like Noel Edmonds. Uh, yeah, just like Noel Edmonds. I think Noel uh, Edmonds might disagree. Just like Noel Edmonds. It's dull, it's overrated, and it's been going on for way too long. Thank you very much, Alan. 0344-499-1000 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, this is Monday evening at 7 minutes past 10, and just playing my old guelo there has really shagged me up. Also, I've, I've had, because I've got, I've got this cold, right? The only thing that I've got that deals with a cold is fresh ginger boiled up, honey and lemon. And I've got one of those, like, big mugs, uh, big mugs. And I poured it in there, and it, I, 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 I finished most of it, but I hadn't locked the big mug. And it's basically, it's gone all over my bag. So in the studio now, it looks like, um, Shola Amma's stall at car boot sale. All of my stuff from my bag is laying out on the floor. There's a, there's a mug, there's a couple of diaries, there's a book, there's a retro gamer magazine, ruined. There's a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young magazine and some other bits and pieces. And it really is, uh, very, very upsetting to me to find that my bag is in such a state. I feel, it feels like I've been violated, ladies and gentlemen, violated. Big question tonight. Who are you scared of despite the fact you are actually an adult? I have several people. I've got three. We're going to go for you the, the top three and we're going to compile a list, okay? I was swimming. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You'd be very welcome. You'll speak to Amy. She will take your name and number and give you a call straight back. She doesn't even care what you're calling in about. She doesn't even listen to this show. She's listening to Tom Snorbrick on LBC right now. That's where she is. She's, that's where she is at. So she doesn't even, she doesn't care what you want to talk about. In fact, your phone calls interrupt her listening of that radio station, which is being closed down next week. Um, so I would suggest phone her up and interrupt her because, um, it's fun for us. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Anything goes. But people that you are scared of, I have three. Even though I am an adult, I'm approaching 50. There are three people I'm scared of. The first one is, uh, lifeguards at swimming pools. I took my kids swimming at the weekend. They have uh, like an hour long family swim where they chuck in like floats and balls and things like that. And it's, it's wicked, right? And it's for kids and families to just mess around. Okay. So it's not proper. It's not, it's free swim. It's not proper swim. There's no lanes. The lanes are taken out. It's just, it's a free for all, right? And it's epic. Uh, and there are three or four lifeguards on duty. They're all 18, 19 year old kids, right? And I am still, I am still 
terrified to do, I am telling my kids not to jump in in case they get told off. I'm telling them to st- stop, st- don't stand on that, don't walk, go and get the ball, but walk slow. I'm really, I'm terrified of the, <whistles> no, no, stop that. No, 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 the wagging, the whistle <whistles> and the wagging finger. Uh, 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 uh. No, I'm terrified of it. I'm 30 years older than a lot of these kids, and I am terrified, terrified, terrified of the lifeguards um, at the swimming pool. You know why? Go. Because they are the embodiment of being singled out and humiliated. First the whistle, yep. then the point. Yep. Everyone yep. knows your shame. Yep, yep. But they're, they're great guys and gals. They're bored most of the time. When, when they kicked us out after an hour, because it closes after an hour, and then they people hire it for like birthday parties and stuff, um, I booed them. And they <laughs> laughed. They laughed at the booing. They got it, right? So that's my th- that's number three. Right? Number two for me, Rebecca Vardy. Terrifies me. Dark vibe emanating from that woman. Absolutely terrified. If she were, if she were to walk in now, I would clam up, I would be all nervous, and I would be overly nice to her, because I'm terrified of her. But number one, number one person that I am scared of, despite the fact I am a grown-up man, is any form of tradesman or workman in my house. You heard how the plumber spoke to me, how he was, first thing he came in was, oh, you got a pretend scooter out the front. Over familiar. We got a pretend, I went, what? Think he, but did he actually think it's a cutout of a scooter? No, he was just dissing it as being an old woman's scooter. No, what he was doing was showing off about his. Yeah, he's got a Lambretta. All right, fair enough, right? And instantly. That stuff still to you as a grown-up person. Instantly. I crumpled and went, well, uh, yeah, I, I just got it because it's cheap and, and no one's going to steal that. And what I should have said was, I love that bike. It's given me freedom. It's given me strength. It's given me confidence. means everything to me. And I didn't. And then I let him try and talk me into, um, as if you were listening last week, you will have, uh, the, the, the Pete says, we're taking the popo as red, right? I'm not afraid of the popo. Not even the armed ones. No, I have respect for them. I have respect for them. I'm not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of them. I have a lot of respect for the lady popo. Doesn't they call them that? Something about the, the police officer uniform is lousy, right? But there's something about a, a lady police officer. That's my thing. I've decided that 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 uh, is is you know that's like some women are turned on by firemen, yeah. and for some some people, it, men and women, it's school uniforms. Some men, it's French maids. For me, the lady popo. Oh. It works for me. It's incredible. And sometimes I stop at a petrol station on the way home, and it's where the the the, the, the feds, Los Federales, hang out. And sometimes there are some lady um, popo there, yeah. and. Uh, I've been I, in Nando's before, uh, and I've seen you get unnecessary when yeah, they come in for their I, collection. I always nod. Good evening, officers. Um, <laughs> so no, don't, no, I'm not scared of them. So it's any workman. So the, the, this 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 plumber who tried to get me to commit insurance fraud, and for a second I'm thinking I should go along with this. Just to be, what basically has happened is a man has charged me forty five pounds to ruin my bathroom. Can't use that bathroom now. Mm-hmm. Can't use it. The kids went in at the weekend and screamed. They were so scared by it. I can't use it to the point where now I'm I'm talking to a builder to see if I can afford to get the bathroom completely redone. It has to be redone at some point. 
I was hoping I'd get another year, two years out of it. But now I have to, um, um, go on another reality television show to pay for a new bathroom. I'm not going on a reality TV. Yes, <laughs> maybe I'll have to. So, um, so any form of workmen, uh, uh, in my house, I am terrified of. Those are my top three. At number three, it's the lifeguards at the swimming pool. At number two, it's, uh, it's, uh, what's her name? Re- uh, Becky, uh, Becky Vardy. And at number one, it's any form of workmen in my house. Who is yours, dear listener? We'll find Catherine's in a minute. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand is the telephone number. Oh, 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 oh. And we've got, we've got, let's just say, all I'm going to say is League of Gentlemen. Tell you more after this. This is Talk Radio. Neon lit night talk for torch singers, trolley dollies, and train wrecks like me. Mm. Never know just where the conversation will take you. What I'm going to say sounds ridiculous. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. There we go. That, that tension. It's that little bit of tension. It's like when you go and see a rock band in concert and they come on stage half an hour after the time it says they're going to come on stage in your ticket. It's all part of the tension. The Late Night Alternative, Ian Lee and Catherine Boyle, every weeknight from 10, I have something very important I want to say. Uh, Extinction Rebellion. Um, Because of you protesting... On and in the streets of London today and and closing a lot of the bridges and bringing London to a standstill. It took me an extra 45 minutes to get into work. Catherine, how much longer did it take you? About 35. Yeah. Took us much longer to get into work. And, um, I have to say, Extinction Rebellion, um... It was a small minor inconvenience that I can put up with in my life if it brings more attention to the fact that we are rapidly destroying this planet. So I would like to say on behalf of myself and Catherine Queen Clouds. For sure, this, yeah. Thank you to every brave soul that is out there under the Extinction Rebellion banner today that is not getting paid for work or is taking paid holiday or is risking arrest to bring to the attention of the governments of the world and also the citizens of the world that we are killing this planet. Uh, We are destroying it. The science is out there. You can dispute it if you want, but science is real. Um, And thank you to everyone today who has been arrested um, in an attempt to make sure that my kids and my grandkids have got water to drink, food to eat, and a planet to live on. I'm not going to resort to the lazy cliches, calling you dirty hippies and saying you should all get jobs. I know a load of you have got jobs. Uh, I wish I were as brave as you to go out and protest. I know, I know the protests, there are slightly problematic. What if someone needs to get to a hospital in an emergency? What about the people going for radiotherapy? What about, what about, what about? I know, but protests are, are inconvenient. Whatever that protest, whatever that strike is, it's always inconvenient. There will always be people that suffer more than others. I think, genuinely, that the good that you are doing outweighs the bad. And there is some bad. So on behalf of me... I'm me. Extinction Rebellion, thank you very much. Keep up the good, peaceful, safe protests. Hashtag Team Greta. There we go. Now that may go out as a video, but I'm embarrassed because I said 
other instead of other. I thought it made you sound cool. Okay, fine. Yeah. Genuinely, I think that. I've been thinking really long and hard. Uh, by the way, you can call in about anything. Are the phones working, do we know, Amy? They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be. We know they're supposed to be. They've been supposed to be for the last six months. The, 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 I've been thinking really long and hard about the Extinction Rebellion thing. And and I know it's... Here's the thing, again, right? I put something out on Twitter and... But, 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 but... Twitter is not a place to have a, a, a nuanced discussion. We know that. If you want to call in about them today, you, you, you're welcome to. 0344 What we won't do is I will not allow the lazy... I bet this station today has been an absolute nightmare for anybody in favour of it. I can just imagine. I can just imagine some of the vile... Fat, get a job, go and have a wash, get Boris's water cannons to clean them all down. Why You wouldn't go and do this in China. No, because they would be shot in China. Uh, I, I bet that... Here's, here's the thing. I totally believe in the science of climate change, because it's science. And as they might be giants said, science is real, okay? It's indisputable. And anyone that disputes it is a climate change denier. They are a denier. They are t telling you, a gob on a stick that has a microphone in front of them is telling you that they know more than actual scientists. I don't. I don't know more than scientists. I'm going by what the majority of scientists are saying. And, and the fact that we give credence now, in 2019, we give credence to people who are saying, no, 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 no. The majority of scientists are wrong. It's the scientists on the fringe. It's the, it's the, the, the Piers Corbins. It's the ones on the fringe. They're who we should listen to. The, the majority of science is wrong. And they're being paid by people to tell you this anyway. The fact that we listen to those people who just really, you know, um, Julia Hartley Brewer is one of those people. She's on, what is she on here? 200,000 a year? Quarter of a million a year? Something like that, I would guess, right? Um, and who's paying her? Well, Rupert Murdoch, who owns The Sun. Right, so just but keep that in, in context. Paying me as well, nowhere near as much, but paying me. Why would you listen to her more than a scientist? If someone can explain that to me, 0344 499 So the thing that uh, Extinction Rebellion are, are, are protesting about, I totally agree with, right? Now, is blocking several bridges in London, the right way of going about it. Strikes and protests have to cause disruption. If they were just to all stand together in Hyde Park with a load of placards, well, no one would talk about we'll them. take a petition to number 10. Yeah. No one would talk about them. No one would talk about them. Who, who, would, who would care? No one would care and it wouldn't get on the press. They have to do something that will get them in the press. And they will be talked about every day for the next two weeks that they're protesting, without a shadow of a doubt, right? Every single day, they will be talked about. Um, but I also accept it's problematic that businesses are going to lose money, small businesses are going to lose money, they're the ones that I'm concerned about. That We did hear stories in the last one that people that were going off for their chemotherapy couldn't get through. I get it. I get it, it's problematic, and I don't really have an answer for that. Some people saying, yeah, well, what about um, 
all the extra pollution from your car. Yeah, it took me an extra 45 minutes, an extra 35 minutes. It'll take me longer to get home because I'll have some of the bridges shut off. Yeah. I would suspect, and again, I don't know if there is an expert listening that can tell me, I would suspect that the amount of extra fuel that is used by cars and the amount of extra carbon that is put into the atmosphere over the next two weeks, in the great scheme of things, I would imagine is not that significant. Here's the other thing that no one's talked about so far that I've heard of. People who are taking unnecessary journeys, who don't fancy sitting in their car for an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes, and could walk, are now walking for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's making people, it's forcing people to think, is this really the only way I can do this? Um, If anyone wants to come on from Extinction Rebellion, the reason you'd be listening to this, you'd be very, very welcome, and you would not get the short shrift that I know you've got on other shows. You will be questioned. This isn't a whole, hey guys, I want to stick my tongue up your crack and uh, you will be questioned because I, d- I, I don't quite know what the end game is. Well, I know the end game is to, to, to try and save the planet. I don't know what the, the short game, game is or intermediate game because what uh, uh, is the game? Is it that you want Boris Johnson to bring closer the, the date that we go carbon neutral. I don't know. Actually, now I've said it out loud, I think that probably is one of the things um, that they are um, uh, suggesting. Um, another thing I like about this is it's all completely peaceful. It's all peaceful. There's no violence. There's no aggression. I took my kids to see the last one because I thought it was important. Um, there's no violence. There's no aggression. Um Harrison says, I, I agree with the science. I disagree with those who are resisting arrest and making things difficult for the police. So, well, that's part of the job of a protester. I don't think they're, uh, now, I, I don't think they're resisting an arrest in as much as they're being violent or aggressive. I think they're just doing that thing of making their bodies go limp. I think. Again, if I'm wrong, if you have seen stuff to the contrary, then let me know. And don't worry, we're going to titter around tonight. This isn't all going to be this. This isn't the new direction. This is just what I was, wanted to say anyway. Um, resisting arrest is kind of part of it. And someone say on Twitch said, yeah, what about the police being stretched because there's all the stabbings? Yeah, the police are being stretched. Yeah. Like I say, it's problematic. I can't 100% get my head completely around what they're doing. And I'm happy to be swayed either way on some of the stuff that they're doing. But overall... I think they're doing more good than harm. I think their message is pure. The fact that last time all the streets were covered in, um, all their graffiti was done in chalk. And the day that they were wrapping up, do you know what they did? Washed it off. They washed it all off. You can't argue with that. They're not spray canning it everywhere. They washed it all off. It's peaceful. Um, it's an occupation. I think I'm on their side. Uh, part of me wishes I were brave enough to go and join them. So that in, in 40 years time, my grandkids say, well, did you do anything in that granddad? I suppose I can say I supported them on air when 90% of my colleagues were calling them out for being scumbags. I suppose I can say that. That's something. That's a tiny part to play. I think, I, well, I'm definitely on their side. I think I pretty much condone what they're doing. I think. Okay. But it's nuanced, it's nuanced, and it's subtle, it and there's, there's uh, shades. We've got, here we've got, uh, in the Evening Standard Online, nearly 300 people have been arrested in connection to the Extinction Rebellion protest in London, as activists brought Westminster to a halt. It comes as the government, uh, the group demands the government takes urgent action on climate change, uh, banners with tell the truth, no coal mines, no fracking, right? 300 people, some of them will be wrong Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's some wrong-uns working here. You know, there's wrong-uns. You get a group of people, there'll be wrong-uns. Um, I kind of agree with them. I do agree with people's right to protest. I do agree with, with people's right to strike. I, I agree with all of that. I, I agree with it. And as for the use of police resources, we find them for other things. Yeah. This is something, these people think that the end of the world is coming. Yeah. They're trying to save the world yeah. as far as they're concerned. I'm on their side. Unless you can convince me otherwise, and of course I'm sure we will get stories from people who say, yeah, but my dad couldn't go and see his wife who was dying. We'll get stuff like that, and I don't have an answer for that. I d and I'm not going to pretend I have an answer for that. That is tragically, tragically sad. Stories like that are tragically, tragically sad. I don't have an answer for that. And, and, and that's why I'm not as popular a radio host as I know I could be, because it would be so easy for me to come in and say, these absolute shitbags on the street should all be carted off and hosed down with water cannon. Or it would be easy to come in and say, I totally agree with them 100% and everything that they're doing, and if you couldn't get to your chemotherapy, well, that's just tough, because we won't have a planet in 50. I could, I, I, if I could pick a side like that, I'd be a much more popular radio host. I can't. It's new, nuanced. Nuance is the word. Real life isn't Twitter. No, it isn't. It isn't. And we've lost that. If you want to give us a call about that, you can. 0344 499 1000. Also, if you want to give us a call, and we haven't got your list yet, we'll do it soon, Catherine, of the top three people that you are scared of, despite the fact that you are an absolute actual adult. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. On Talk Radio. Let's go to Brian. Good evening, Brian. Hi, Ian. Um, I just wondered, right, do you remember back in the 1990s we had this um, problem with the so-called ozone layer? You know, saying all the yes. ozone's going to be the destroyed. There was a hole in the ozone layer and it was trapping in um, uh, cosmic rays and it was going to burn the planet, yeah. Exactly, and don't use sprays, whatever yeah. you do, don't use yeah. hairsprays. Yeah. Apparently now it's healed itself, from what I gather, it's now fixed itself, so the planet does have a... No, nope. can, can, no, can, can I stop you there and point out the obvious huge flaw in what you're trying to say? Yes, please. Do you know why it fixed itself? Um... I guess, I don't know. Probably we, did, we, we stopped using yeah. those of uh, we, CFCs. We, we stopped using the CFCs. That's, we, we stopped doing the stuff. It was a big hole over, was it the Arctic or the Antarctic? I always get confused. Yeah. And it was um, let, trapping in sun's rays and they would bounce around and they couldn't escape and it, it heated up the planet. Uh, yeah, we, we all listened to the advice. We did what we were told and s stopped using or certainly drastically cut down on CFCs. And it healed yeah. it, it. It healed itself. Isn't yeah, that amazing? Like, so it shows uh, that we can make a difference to our planet. Yeah, is this going to sound really daft? But I've always wondered why don't we observe other planets next to us and see if they have, see if there's any changes on their planets? Do you know what I mean? Like what? Venus or or whatever? Do you know what I mean? We could study Uranus. Well, it could be. <laughs> to see well, any, but they don't have—they um, don't have atmospheres like us, and they're completely different planets. Listen, we well, know yeah. that, there, that, that, that yeah. there is there are cycles on the Earth's planet, right? We know that there are cycles, and think we've had the ice age and the hot age and the wet age, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. There are cycles. But the argument here is from the scientists. I believe I haven't read all the reports. Is that we are hastening up the changes, right, and making yes, it worse. Yes significantly quicker. 
Yeah. And by, by, by what we did in the 90s, it was kind of about, it was the, the mid 80s, I think it was, it was really brought to attention. Cause I remember doing endless school projects on it when I was about 14, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, what we, we, we changed, the world changed and we helped heal the world. It's not quite healed. It's still there, it's still yeah, there a bit, but it's, it's dr- drastically smaller. We should be back to 1980 well, levels by the mid part of this yeah. century. There you go. But there is well, a trend towards healing, yeah. Yeah. Just before I go, I'll, yes, I'll tell you the three people I'm scared of before I go. Yeah, go on, Brian, let's have it. Say that, hang on, you know Los Angeles, when you see photographs of Los Angeles on the TV, it's all full of smog. They don't seem to be doing much there, do they? Uh, to be honest. Well, it? Los I don't, well, Los Angeles does get a bit smoggy, not as smoggy as it, as it used to be. Oh, right. Three, three people I'm scared of. Number yeah. one, the dentist. Oh. Number two, tramps. I can't stand being next to tramps. I get really scared case I've got scabies or whatever, so I run <laughs> off <from> them. <laughs> Well, you're not going to have sex with them, Brian. No, no, but they might have scabies or something, because I'm frightened in case they touch me. What is scabies? Scabies, you know, like, where you get, like, um, old people sometimes get, it's like a, it's like a thing under your skin, like a, a, a mice, a scabie might have bows under your skin and you start scratching. Right. I, I, I assume that tramps have got that because obviously I don't they're, think many, they're I don't think, I don't think many tramps have scabies. Not these days. Unless you're sharing a shirt with them or a bed, you might be alright. Yeah. Stop inviting strange oh. tramps back to your house for sex and shirt swapping parties. <laughs> oh, no thanks. And the third person I'm scared of is like, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. No, you're really scared of them. Yeah, because they try and convert you, don't they? Knock on me door all the yeah, time. But you, but you have the power. I'm, I'm saying this as though my fear of um, lifeguards is rational. Of course it's not. But with the, I, I, lo- I sometimes I have a good chat with the Jehovah's Witnesses. But if I'm not feeling up to it, I just go, no thanks, not today, thank you. I feel a bit sorry for them. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm not sorry for them. Yeah. But we'll, but we'll put those on. There's a hall next to me, you see. Say that again, <laughs> oh, Brian. got a kingdom hall on my doorstep. They've got right. a kingdom yeah. hall, so they're coming round all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Just join them. Dive in. Dive in with both feet. Become <laughs> a Jehovah's Witness, Brian. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, brother. Let's go to Thayer. Good evening, Thayer. Good evening. Hello. How are you? I'm very, very well, Thayer. What can we do for you this evening? Right. Well, I just wanted to talk about the Extinction Rebellion uh, thing. Mate. Right. Um, basically, yes, there is science out there. Um, and we know that there's a problem. However, is Britain alone going to be able to solve the problem? No, right? of course not. Of course not, but you're right. this argument, where you're going with this is, is nonsense, right? It's nonsense. Yeah. Because this yeah. uh, Extinction Rebellion is happening all over the world, okay? So it's, it's not just Britain, but we can certainly, if Britain shows initiative, other countries will follow. You know that, don't you? Right, right. Well, that's what I was just getting at. Sorry. You, just, you cut me off before I could explain what I wanted to say. What I, what I was going to say was that the biggest causes of pollution at this moment in time are... United States of America, Republic of China, and India. They, they themselves are the biggest causes right. of... Okay, um, and your point is? My point is that we should be able to demonstrate to them how they can change their economies yeah. so that they don't do it. But at the moment, there is no, 
they don't have the technology to be able to do that just yet, or the resource. Also, we buggered India up. In, India is our fault. India is our fault that they're so far behind us in terms of fuel and stuff. In fact, that they're using so much coal is because we left that country a dried up husk. That's our fault. So yeah, we should be offering them, uh, we should be inspiring them, we should be um, sending them technology, we should be teaching them, we should be helping them out totally. I, I, and I don't mean just India, I mean talking about the whole of the world. Yeah. Britain, Britain you know, we have a, a very in, uh, ingenuous, uh, I can't get the word out now, uh, you know, we, we have a country that are very entrepreneurial in our spirit and how we do things. We, we're good at creating new ways and new means of doing things. And I think we should be part of the forefront of the new technologies that are coming on, yeah. especially green energy, and and also how teaching people how best to behave and how to be good citizens of not just their country but of the world. Yeah. Unfortunately, our parliament isn't doing that example for us, which is which is another issue. Faye, can I ask a lazy question? Yeah. Where is your name from, man? It's uh, it's actually pronounced Taher. Tear? Oh, I'm sorry. What yeah. is that, Swedish? <laughs> no, I'm actually, um, I, I was born in Kenya, uh, but I'm from Indian descent. Oh my gosh, wow, okay. So, so it's, an, it's an Indian name? It's actually an Islamic name. Okay, wow. Yeah. All right. Hey, Tell, well, I'm sorry yeah. I, pr I, I pronounced your name wrong, and I, I'm going to let you go because it's not a great line, but I appreciate the call. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I'm not going to argue with it. I mean, look, here's... Some of the, here's some of the texts that this, this, or tweets this station gets, right? This is from Crazy Goat. If all those eco-loons really are this concerned about the planet, then why don't they all meet up at beaches up and down the country to spend two weeks picking up litter and plastic? That's, that's be better for the environment than dancing around like headless chickens in Westminster. Who knows? Maybe they do. Maybe they do. I mean, it's possible, but, 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 no, you're wrong, and you but, know you're wrong. What if they could stop people tipping <laughs> plastic out into the environment in the first place? What well, if they could speak to the, you I know, pick to up power? plastic. When I'm out and about, if I'm at the park with the kids, right, and they're playing, and I see some crisps, and I'll, I'll go around while the kids are playing and pick up stuff and put it in the bin. That's easy. You could do that. You could do that, Texter. Do you know what I've realised? Yes. Small things, you know, it could make a difference. You know, you're recycling and stuff, and I know there's always this theory that it all gets chucked in the same place, but the will is there, and I'm educating yeah. my children to yeah. separate things out. Yeah. And put them in the recycling and also it helps because we don't get weekly bin collections right so it's just staggering it yeah. but also i've stopped doing things that i didn't realize i'm not a, a litter bug i hate it but i've yeah. been doing things over the years they've been contaminating the water system like my contact lenses i used to chuck Oy them down the toilet matey. completely thoughtless yeah. not doing it on purpose you know i i I'm not that sort of person, but it's just made me modify my beha behaviour a little bit. If everyone does that, it'll make a difference. I yeah, I don't, I mean, what is there to knock them about? They're blocking up London, okay. Yeah, it's annoying. Okay. Um, s s small businesses, I don't care about the big ones. Small businesses, uh, independent businesses are losing money. Okay, I'd like to see the evidence of that. I'm sure it's true in some places. And um, people going to hospitals. I mean, am I missing something? Not to downplay the people going to hospitals thing. Am I missing something? These people, whatever you think, they're genuinely trying to save the planet. It's not, not as if I could understand, although I'm generally on the side of strikers, generally. 
it's, um, but I could understand why some people might get angry at, let's say, train drivers striking for more money. I could kind of under, I can understand why people would get angry well, because, at that. Because it feels like a selfish yes, decision, right? And it's, and it's causing a problem and I, I can understand that. Um, but, I mean, some look at this. Brian Fairclough says, right on, unfunny ponce with a tash. Condescending and hoolier than thou lefty loveys, eh? Okay, so well, where's I, the counter argument in no, that? No, but hang on, I'm not, I'm not condescending. I'm not being holier than thou. I'm saying it's, I don't do all the stuff I could do. I'm saying it's nuanced. Um, lefty lovey? I thought loveys were actors. Are they actors? I haven't acted for ten years. No, but this is the whole point, right? You saw the guy from ABBA talking about the way people are having a go at Greta yeah. Thunberg online, and, yeah. and now some people are trying to cancel ABBA. Um, can't cancel that, ABBA. <laughs> you you can't. cannot. Cancel ABBA. But going for her personality, going for her, the way she expresses herself, going for what she looks like, all nice distractions for people who don't like what they're being told but don't have a counter-argument. And that is exactly what that guy did just then on Twitter. Being personal but not telling you why he thinks they're wrong. I have a tweet here. I don't know if this is true. There is footage of it. We don't know. It says here, Extinction Rebellion have closed Whitehall, but are making sure, sure emergency vehicles get through. I, I've got a little bit of footage and uh, a tweet. I don't know if that's true. But, but, I don't know, right? And here's the thing. If we can do, we can talk about this in a nice way, all right? We don't need to, if you disagree, we don't need to insult each other. It doesn't have to go that route. We can just chat about it, can't we? Remember the old days people just chat about stuff? 0344 499 This is the Late Night Alternative every weeknight from 10 with Ian and Kath on Talk Radio. Closing time conversation for tax inspectors, taxi drivers and taxidermists. Great big talk for the wee small hours. You've been trolling me big time, mate. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Some very strange tweets. Environmentalism is recycled communism. I don't even know what that means. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Good evening, Vic. Hey Ian. Hi. Good morning. Hey, Vic. Uh, it's morning here. I'm ringing from Australia. Australia. It's, uh, it's quarter to eight in the morning. You but, uh, show off. <laughs> no, you blocked me because of something I said on tweets. That's fine. I can understand why you did that. Unlucky. But I've listened to you. I've listened to you. <laughs> what did you say on tweets? A bit more. Oh, I just thought it was just a bit, getting a bit hysterical, your show, but given that well, it's still you, early in the you, morning. What did you say on tweets? Uh, I can't, can't even remember. I, th- I, I, I said it was a bit of pseudo, uh, put on all the laughter and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah, you didn't like the fun, uh, did you? Oh, you didn't like the fun and you didn't like the laughter and you thought it was all a put on. Right, okay. Well, that, well that, that particular day, and then I listened to it, and then I saw a different side of you. And, oh, okay. uh, and I'm, I must apologise because I, I think I didn't listen to you long enough to make a uh, comments like that. I accept your apology. But if only people could hold. This is the this is where we're at, Vic, and I'm not having a go at you, man. I appreciate you calling in, and, and I'll, I'll I'll unblock you if you want. But here's the thing: we're in a world now where everyone has to make an instant comment that without realizing that actually what you said was was quite hurtful if i'm completely honest and, and, and it got me quite angry because you were having a go at us for laughing at our own jokes and stuff and we, we're not one of those zoo shows where Catherine is paid to laugh at what i say we laugh if we find something's funny right we, we're a very genuine show however phony that line sounds 
Um, but we now live in a world where people immediately have to go, hmm, I've listened to 20 minutes of this, I'm going to tell them it's shit. Instead of doing what you're now doing, Vic, coming back, I don't know, a week, two weeks later and going, ah, you know what, maybe, maybe that first call was, was not a great call. So I appreciate you phoning in, Vic. Go on. Yes, and, 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 uh, well, it's a bit of an echo here. Uh, kudos to you and Kath regarding the protests. Throughout history, and we're talking, what about the suffragettes at the beginning of the last the century? Yeah. If they didn't put up a great big... Vic? Is Vic there? Everything they did. We lost yes. you for a second, Vic. You're talking about the suffragettes. Yes, if they didn't put up a big old hoo-ah, then we wouldn't be anywhere. And you imagine how they would have been treated by your previous uh, announcer. If it, it, I, I listened to him this morning, and he made me so wild. Yeah. What does he think he is? knows more than the 97, 98% of the scientists. He's talking absolute garbage. Uh, yeah. I'm, and even Vietnam, you look at Vietnam, you look at Peter even, you know, the Peter, to me, they've got to go over the top to get the general population's, um, Attention. You've got to do something it big, gets, otherwise it, it's not a news story. It's not a news story. Yes. There were 5,000 protesters in Hyde Park with placards. That's not a story. Three bridges were closed in London and it caused travel chaos. That's a story. That's a story. So people will think, and they'll think one way or another, but there, there will be some people going, hey, let's look further into this. And I can tell you, we, we're talk some guy mentioned the ozone layer in Queensland and Australia, the ozone layer is still pretty bad, and that's why it's the melanoma capital of the world. Yeah. Melanoma kills more young women here than any, virtually any other uh, cancer. Vic, I uh, appreciate your call. I appreciate your apology. You are unblocked, although I've just seen some of your tweets. They were quite juicy, brother. They were quite juicy tweets. But you are uh, unblocked, Vic. Thank you very much. It's not a great line, so I'm going to move on to Gary. Hello, Gary. You know right, son? I'm all right, geez. I, I, I just want to make a couple of comments about uh, climate with a K change. What does climate with it, a K mean? It was what she wrote on her placard, wasn't it, outside? Where I don't know, I missed that, so explain, explain it to me, because I missed that. Little Greta Thunberg. Yeah, I tell you what, Gary, we can do, we, Gary, we can do this if you, if you do it sensibly and without, without being rude. I mean, she's a 16 year old girl. So I'm, I'm happy to listen to you, but. You're we... rude all the time, aren't you? Okay, I'm happy to listen to you, Gary, but uh, can we do this as adults, please? Would that be possible? Oh, I was doing it as an adult. No, you weren't. You were doing it in a very childish, um, patronising way. So I'm happy to talk to you, Gary, and listen to your points. So you don't patronise anybody, do you? I'm happy to listen to you, Gary, and... um, I'm just saying you don't patronise nobody, no? Okay, I'm happy to listen to you, Gary, and listen to your points, but can we do it in a grown-up way, please? Well, if you're going to patronise me, I'm not sure if I want to talk to you now. Okay, Gary, thanks very much for your time. It's really easily sorted out, mate. Thank you. Um, so uh, she, she spelt it with a K because she was writing in Swedish. Yeah, I, I, I will talk to people, to climate change deniers, and I'll, I'll talk to you, but could we do it in a nice way? Um, oh, Jesus, I don't want to talk to either of these idiots. Uh, Susan, say hello to Paul. Paul, say hello to Susan. Amy, turn our microphones off, please. Good evening, 
Ian. Good evening, Catherine. First of all, young man, Mr. Ian Lee, I would like to pay Good compliments. Evening, Good evening, darling. But can I just can I just pay um, can I pay this boy a compliment, please? This boy, Ian. Um, he said that he took, takes his children to the park. He teaches them about picking up litter, and when, when the children are playing and whatsoever, he picks up crisp packets and stuff like that. Now that is massively respectable behaviour. I have a massive amount of respect for that boy for doing that. That's Susan. massive. That's massive. Susan. Yeah. yeah. Did you not just hear Ian Lee? He said he was totally uh, yeah, phone no, off I, and he who, was going to let me speak to you. Yeah, whoever it is. My name is Paul. Yeah, okay, darling, but you know, I just want to make, uh, uh, you know, I'm making a compliment to... You're making a very good point, I agree with you. Yeah. But also, I want to know, you know, I have a massive amount of respect for you saying that. <laughs> Hello? Ian's playing games, don't worry. Yeah. I want to ask another question. What is... I've just had a beef with somebody. What, what was the nationality of Carlos Santana from... Yes, Julian Cope. I can cope with it. What is the nationality of Carlos Santana? Was he Brazilian or was Can you tell me, darling, please? Anybody? Susan, it's just you and me, love. Uh, yeah, but can you answer the question? What was the nationality of Carlos Santana, one of the most brilliant guitarists in the world? Yeah. Was he Brazilian or Spanish? Because I've just had a beef with somebody. I said he was Brazilian. I know he was South American, but I don't know which part yeah, of South America right, he yeah, came okay. from. Right, can you put me through to Catherine? I want to speak Catherine, please. You won't get through. You can speak to me. It's a female issue. I don't want to talk to you about it because you're crap at that sort of stuff. Put me through Catherine, please. Okay, my name is Paul. I'm not one of the radio presenters. I'm not Ian Lee. I don't care who you are, darling. I want to speak to Catherine. There's a female issue, please. What, about Carlos Santana? No, it's a female issue. Well, you can speak to me about a female issue if no, I'm male. No, because you're crap. Why am I crap? You don't even Mexico. know me. Yeah, could I, could I please, I retract that Mexico. statement immediately. I would like to retract that Mexico. statement immediately. May I speak to Catherine? Mexico. May I speak to Katerina? Mexico. May I speak to Mrs. Catherine Mexico. Boyle? <laughs> Mexico. Could Mexico. I please, please, could I speak to Mrs. Catherine Boyle, <laughs> mother of two children, two daughters, and uh, wife to husband, a very lucky husband. C can you just put me on to her, please, and stop mucking about? Come on, Ian, stop mucking about. Put me through to Catherine. Where is she? Is she gone Mexican. out? Mexican. Mexican.
Oh, you're just pissing me about. Mexican. As usual. Mexican. Mexican. You're not being fair, Oh, Ian. God. Susan, are you still there? Susan, I can hear you breathing. Are you okay, Susan? <laughs> I care. Not being fair, Ian. <coughs> Can I help you, Susan? give you as much dead air as you want. And I'll let the world shut their mouth. I could also suggest a song by a band called Proud Mary called Mexico. The sound of silence. How did I know you were going to play that now? I am bloody bright eyes, me in. Get it? Silence is golden. Cousin, my body goes frozen. I freeze up and I push him away. Can you give me any advice? Because it's all to do with the bloke I had before who was messing me around. Can you please help me with that? Oh. Yes. My body goes frozen. I freeze up and I push him away. Can you give me any advice? Oh, Mexico. He's messing me around. Can you please help me with that? Oh. You know, I... Can you... 
you know, I don't know, I, I, you know, I've got this lovely man and I just can't, you know, I can't get close. I just keep freezing up all the time, you know. Can you just, can you sort of... Okay, Susan, it's Paul again. Yeah, it's okay. Can I give you a bit of advice? Yes, please. Please. If you feel frozen, then just let it go. How can I let it go? How can I let it go? Do you get that? No, I don't, because that's why I'm asking you. I don't know how to let go of it. That's why I'm asking for advice. Listen to a song called Let It Go from the film called Frozen. Yes. You know but that? But I don't know how to put that... Yes, I do. You... I need to know how to put it into practice. We can still put it into practice. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk.
performed by the Beach Boys concert. The 1973, I think it's 73. Might be Beach Boys in concert. You want? Jeez, it's a filthy record. It sounds like that. Thank you. Josh, listen, listen to, listen to, um, oh, hang on a minute. Listen to their Surfing USA. Listen to this. It's filthy, man. 1973 Beach Boys is the best. Listen to them rocking, man. It's great. Love it, man. Go on, tr- everyone treat yourself. Beach Boys concert. What an album. Uh, 0344-499-1000, Late Night Alternative, I'm Ian Lee, who are you? I'm Catherine Moore. Um, three people, top three people that you're scared of, despite the fact you're an adult. Catherine, we're going to come to you in a second. Yeah. Uh, we're also, we don't really get very newsy, but this Extinction Rebellion, I think I'm, I'm, well, I know, I know I'm on their side. I know I'm on their side. I'm aware that the, um, protest is, that there are problems. It is slightly problematic. But I'm on their side. I agree with what they're saying. I think I agree with the way they're doing it. I think I've not had a convincing argument otherwise yet. Yeah, sure, it took me 45 minutes extra to get home. It'll probably add 20, 25 minutes to get home tonight. I'm cool with that. As a, as a tiny inconvenience to me, it's cool. I, I, my car is stacked up with podcasts. I've got new CDs to listen to. So I'm good. The, the only person we've had trying to come on to put the other side of the argument was a guy who was doing silly voices and taking the mick out of a 16-year-old girl. So, I, y- y- you know, it's not great. So we'll take your calls on that. Roger and Robin, we'll come to you in a second. I have to say on Wednesday, how would, would you say Taris? Taris, yeah. Ta- I'm going to say Taris until Taris corrects me. Taris Young is coming in. So, oh, someone tweeted me this book. Thank you. Because it escaped my radar. We're, we, we, we're obsessed with, well, I would say obsessed, but, um, threads. This, this show is, is kind of sponsored by threads and, and, and Catherine and I even went up to, um, Halifax, wasn't it? Halifax. To host a screening of of Threads with uh, Reese Dinsdale, the actor, now director of Emmerdale. Um, And he was there and he gave a talk about that in his career afterwards. It was one of the most miserable experiences of my life because it's some film. It's a bleak film and we watched this film and it's horrendous and I've, I've, I've kind of obsessed with it. And then you've got this lovely chat with this really lovely gentleman who's very kind and very gracious and it was a really weird evening but it was a lovely evening. And I think we could call Reese Dinsdale friends now, couldn't we? Call him a friend, I think. I think so. We're certainly friendly. And I grew up in the 80s. I watched Threads way too young, and I was terrified we were all going to die in a nuclear war. Well, someone pointed me to this book uh, by Taris Young, Nuclear War in the UK. And I didn't even need to see any more than that. I went, that's right up my street. He's coming on the show. He is. He's coming on on Wednesday. It's not. I, I think it gets launched this week. Maybe it's out now. I'm not sure. It certainly is out this week. And it's a book. And I, ha- I only got it um, today, maybe. I've not read it yet. But boy, oh boy, I flicked through it. Full of wonderful, terrifying pictures uh, and the history of nuclear war in the UK. And the thing that really got me, um, it's got, um, you know, the protect and survive things. Where is it? I think I've gone past it. Oh, here we go. And it's got um, covers of, of a, a magazine called Protect and Survive Monthly. Uh-huh. This is volume two, number five from May 1982. Um, and it's a picture of a, a glamorous woman in a bunker holding a cat. And the front page is... 
Will your pet survive a nuclear war? Turn to page 13. I don't think you need to. Short answer, no. <laughs> if it does, it's getting eaten. I tell you that. I'm having a nice little bit of radioactive kitty pie. Um, and then there's, I just saw another ad as I was flicking through it for um, a nuclear fallout shelter. The Bentel, the Bentol Simplex Shelter. Probably the wisest investment you'll ever make. It, it's just, it's terrifying. Uh, so Taris is coming in on Wednesday uh, to chat about this book, Nuclear War in the UK. It is, um, it's going to be a really horrible, hard read. I don't think there are going to be too many laughs in this. But for someone like me, and I know there's lots of you, we've talked about it. There's a generation that um, were brought up with the genuine realistic prospect that there was going to be a nuclear war. There's leaflets in here issued by the Isle of Wight and Leeds telling you what to do. You and the bomb. And it was called the bomb because that was it. You know, it was going to be game over. Um, so I've I, I, I flicked through it. I haven't read it in detail, but from what I've seen, I heartily recommend it to people um, who, who really don't want to sleep at night. I still have dreams when I'm anxious that I've had from about the age of 12 of a nuclear bomb falling and my me having my back turned and my eyes closed and I can still see it so bright. I read somewhere that the sailors that were offshore, was it Bikini Island where they dropped a nuclear bomb? They had their backs turned and their eyes closed and they could still see the blast. It was so powerful. Um, Anyway, so that's, that'd be a laugh. We'll play some like Benny Hill music or something in the background. I don't want it to get... We'll keep it light, shall we? We'll keep it light and frothy. Let's go to... Oh, what a surprise, these. Um, can I... Uh, yeah, we go. I think I've got it. I think I can... The phones are a little bit dicky. Let's go to Robin. Good evening, Robin. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm very, very well, Robin. How the devil are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, it's a bit tired, Ty. Um, I'm to talk about extinguishing, extinguishing rebellion. Sorry. Um, I feel like a bit confused because I I know what you're coming from and I understand that they have much concern about the environment. Well, but, um, I did hear the story, um, earlier on this year that, that someone has lost the last chance to see his dad. I heard that story. The... I heard that story. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how true it is. I don't know if it's true. All I, all I have is that I heard another radio host talking about it. So I don't know if mm. it's true. I could quite believe that it is true. That's really that's horrific. Yeah, but that touched my heart. I mean, yeah, I you I would say that. I didn't. Yeah, I would say I, I do support the idea they have. But when I heard the news in radio stations saying they are gluing themselves onto the tube in London and disrupt, disrupted you know, the traffic. And are they, do, are they uh, doing that this time? I don't know if they're dis- gluing themselves no, no, not, to the tube. Not this time. Last I'll be on time. this year, sorry. Here's the thing. the story. If that story about the guy not seeing his dad before he died is true, that's horrible. That's really, yeah. really horrible. I, I could argue, and I would feel uncomfortable arguing, but I could put forward the argument, well, one person's sad story compared to the extinction of the planet. But, but the problem is they are not really helping. I'm not saying that they are doing something wrong, but I was saying that they are disrupting the traffic, they are, yeah. they are blocking the roads, but yeah. that's not really exactly helping improving the environment. And the fact is they are blocking cars on the road yeah. and the cars staying on the road for a longer time, yeah. they are causing yeah. much more pollution. Oh, it's causing more pollution, but again, you've got to ask, two weeks of extra pollution in London 
in the great scheme of things, if you take a step back, that isn't going to end the world. If the fact that you and I are talking about it, the fact that governments have to be talking about it, the fact that ordinary, in inverted commas, people who might not necessarily think about the environment are talking about it, that's what the protest is for. The protest isn't to 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 clear the air today the protest is that we all make a change i think the protest is that we all make a change to clear the air tomorrow mm. i think yeah I, I, yeah I see where you're coming from ian I, I agree with you on that because i understand they're trying to do something good but what i feel is that i have been hearing lots of reporting on this and what I what I actually feel is that people are getting a bit more frustrated about what they have been doing. Like they're losing the support from people. And I believe what they want to do is to raise the awareness of not only the government but also every single one yep. in this world to to do something good to the environment. But I mean, what they have been doing is actually pushing people away from them. And, and let alone like Gretchen Thunberg. I mean, I think she should be in the school. I, I was, I, come I'm, on, come on, Robin. Come on, she's 16 years old. I, I, well, no, I don't think you can leave school at 16 now, but you could do, you could do in this country until comparatively recently. And here's the thing, man. She's learning more than I ever learned it when I was in school by what she's doing. She's been, she's spoken at the UN. Really? You want her to go to school when she has the opportunity to travel the world and educate the world and spark a conversation and speak at the UN? Nah. Nah, she's better off where she is, They're Robin. They're nominating <laughs> for a Nobel Peace Prize. That's better than house points, isn't that, it? That's better than school. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard the news, but I, I feel like I, I would say I would show more respect to people back in my home country that have been doing a lot to improve the environment, to develop new technologies and apply yeah. them to daily life use. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's great. Uh, a new technology, yes. Bring it on. Can I ask, Robin, what is your home country? China. Okie dokie. Now, a lot of people would say that, um, that China was, people, China, America, and India are possibly the three worst culprits in terms of, uh, a, a climate change. And of course, you know, are you in England right now? Yeah, you I, used to came call to us. The, I came to the UK to study. What, did you come just this September? Yes. Yes, mate. Good, because you used to call us from China, and I was thinking, yes. I've not heard from that guy for a, for a long time. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to more calls from you, Robin, because I enjoy them. But you also know that if there was a protest like this in China, it wouldn't go down so well, would it? Mm, I, I agree with you on that. No, it's still a bit yeah, politically incorrect yeah. to say, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yes, yeah there'll be a few old tanks sure. rolling. There'll be a few old tanks rolling forward, and I would suggest there might even be some shots fired, and it certainly wouldn't be shown on the TV. The Hong Kong thing is different, but in China, mainland China, protests like this would not be tolerated. Well, but that's the well, one of the reasons I would say that, that this won't happen is that, well, I don't think people would really support this kind of idea. Actually, I read some of the comments on Chinese social media recently, I mean, following this, um, both in the UK and in China. And what I feel is that people do concern about environmental protection, but we have been hearing people in China yeah. doing a lot to only like plant trees. That's what the most stupid way to, to protect the environment, but that's effective. I mean, yeah. that, that efficient. Yeah. And, um, and I hearing more cities that are taking all the buses 
away and change them from to the um, like um, environmental friendly ones, like gas ones, electricity ones. And actually, in my hometown, in my home city, the older buses running on the roads, over like I guess three thousand five hundred vehicles on the roads are now totally environmental friendly. I mean, that's a huge contribution to the environment compared with my people. Hang on, how on many vehicles did you say are environmentally friendly in China? I mean, that's buses in terms of buses, oh, buses. three thousand five hundred in China. But how many buses are there in China? Sorry, sorry. I mean, in my home city. Oh, your home okay. city. Okay, okay. All right. Well, listen. Sorry. I, it, it, wait, but, 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 I, you know, <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, apart from the bit about Greta should be in school. Robin, I'm going to let you go in a second, but before I do, I need to know, you are an adult, you are a grown-up person, I want three people that, despite the fact you are grown-up, you are still scared of. Um, uh, <laughs> uh my... My mom. Ladies, dad, there we go. Mom and dad. Professor. That's one and two. I want one more. Professor, go on. Professor, sorry, professor. <laughs> Your professor, Robin. Thank you very much. I, it's nice to speak to you on a clear line without a delay for a change. Robin hasn't called us for ages, but I, I remember I enjoy Robin's calls. I look forward to plenty more of them. Let's go to Roger. Good evening, Roger. Good evening, Ian and Catherine. Hey. Good and target. How yeah. long was I on? Because I had no idea until Ollie DM'd me. I'm afraid that question cannot be answered. You have to listen back and you will find out for yourself. That is, we cannot answer those questions. You may have heard me getting back into bed. Oi! <laughs> Donald, where's your truses? <laughs> right, I haven't got a top three. I've, I've only got a one, but it's a doozy. Give us the one that you're scared of. You're a grown man, and you're an adult. I've seen pictures of you. I've met you in the flesh. I've pressed your flesh whilst you're asleep. Let me know who is the one person you are afraid of. Well, unfortunately, she passed away about three years ago. Oh, so it's a ghost of someone. Uh, we can take that. My... Auntie Mary. Auntie Mary. Can we put her ghost, or is that too insensitive? <laughs> you can put her ghost. Auntie, Auntie Mary's ghost. Why was Auntie Mary so frightening? Um, I, was, I must have been about ten yeah. when I found out that Mary wasn't her real name. Wow. Well, it was her name, but it was her middle name. Yeah. Her first, uh, her first name was Elizabeth. Right. Well, she hated her first name, so she she went by Mary. Yeah. And when I found out, the first chance I got, oh, hello, and uh, she she rings up, yeah. hello, Auntie Elizabeth. <sighs> what did you call me? I dropped. I was about ten. I dropped to the phone in terror and ran off. Hey, mate. <laughs> and she still had the she still had the same effect. She was a. There's no disrespect to her because I loved her, but she was she was your uh, your stereotypical. Well, you need to do a, you need to do a seance. She was a what a battle axe. Yeah, she was your stereotypical. You need to do a seance <laughs> and, and uh, ask for uh, Auntie Elizabeth and see what happens. Oh my God! Oh, no, 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 no! A port would probably open up and suck me down to hell or something. <laughs> We're getting some text uh, tweets in, right? One from a guy called uh, Why is this weird echo? I'm going to put you onto another. Hang on, leave it down there. Leave it down there. Let me do this. I'm going to put you down here. I nearly swore then. These absolute shitty phones, are we? I will swear, they just do not work. Ah, uh, God. Hang on, hang on. No, 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 I don't want it there. I don't want it there. Just leave it, just leave it. If anyone's touching anything, leave it, leave it. Uh, this bloody phone system is a crock. I'm going to put that there. Hang on, Roger, I'm coming to you in a minute. Why won't it let me... Ah, oh, these are so shit. Uh, do you know what? I'm so close to just not taking any calls tonight, because these phones are shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're stressing you out. Roger, can you hear me? No. Go to the ads. 
the radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Right, I can't do anything with these phones. They are completely screwed. Amy, would you be so kind as to put Anil on line one for me, please, if you can do that. I don't know if you can do that from where you are. Um, uh, you able to do that? Can you try, can you put Anil on line one, please? No, right, no more phone calls. I'm done, I'm done. Can we play an interview? What's the point of coming in and doing a show where we can't take phone calls? What's the point? Can we find an interview to play? Because this is rubbish, man. I think we might be able to take Pablo. Pablo, are you there? No. <laughs> Pablo, are you there? No, he's not there. Let's phone up engineering and let's meditate. Let's just, let's just meditate. Let's just, let's just chill out. Let's just meditate. We're all getting stressed. No, we're not getting stressed. I'm getting stressed. I'm getting stressed because the one... The one thing I need to make this show, there's a few things I need. I need Catherine. I need um, a few ideas. I need some bits and pieces. But the, really, the one thing I need, right? The only thing I need to give you three hours of top quality entertainment. It's the only thing. Give you top quality entertainment is a working phone system, and it's just it's just crashed again for the umpteenth time. It's cutting people off. Won't let me put an echo on the line. Won't let me talk to people well let me do anything so what how what what am i supposed to do no conspiracy i'm trying to work it from in there and drag it across it's shown up on one computer not on others not on yours it's a conspiracy because we are preaching the benefits of um extinction rebellion and the right-wing media i believe it i totally buy into this i totally buy into this the right-wing media is trying to shut us down we've got some tweets um, it made me laugh. So, Ian, you agree with the protesters and you want to save the planet. Are you going to get rid of your car and stop using planes? And if not, why not? Here's the thing. You're not allowed to protest about the environment if you've ever eaten meat, ever got a plane, ever lived life. <sighs> Julia Hartley Brewer today tweeting about, I saw some of the protesters in McDonald's. You couldn't make it up. But, 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 but they went out of McDonald's. Maybe that's maybe they only had 99p. You know, you, you, you could make it up. Do not take that call. Um, so in order to be able to agree with any part of what the protesters are doing, yeah. we have to be living on, what, small holdings? Yeah. Farming our own vegetables? Yeah. You can't have worn clothes, you can't have driven a car, you can't have, um, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna switch, I'm switching this, this off. How, what am I gonna do for the rest of the show, Catherine? Because we don't got no phones. Goodbye, goodbye computer. Well. Goodbye. There is part of me that Gone. thinks that the engineering will sort it out. There's another part of me that thinks I've got a, a hard drive out there with some great interviews on it. Let me think. Can we play a trail while I think, please? The Wild Man of Late Night Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain 
There we go. Right, that's, um, I think they're called Simon and Garfunkel, those guys. Who knows? We haven't got any phones. Don't phone in. You're three people that you're scared of. Oh. I knew there was a reason we were, I knew that, I knew there was a reason we were holding back. Yeah. Go on, Catherine, who are the three people, despite the fact that you are an, an older lady, you're a MILF, some guys might say, um, uh, you put it in a face that it's actually one of the highest compliments an old woman can be paid. Wow, okay. It's better than a guilt. Just, uh, so who are the three people that you are afraid of despite being a grown-up? I think it's all rooted in the fact that I hate being told off. <laughs> it's true. I've, I've seen people try it. It's I hate true. it. I really hate it. It really gets my back up. So, number one, bouncers. Okay, okay. There have been two, there have been two examples of bouncer intervention that have, um, where I've been told off. Unfairly, I think, on the first and probably quite fairly on the second, but it's embarrassing. It spoils a party. Uh, the first time was when I was a, th- a student. I must have been about 19, Nottingham University. We went out to one of the club nights. One of my hilarious housemates, male, 
decided to put one of those cable ties around my wrist and pull it as tight as it could go. No. Really hurt. Really hurt. So I'm trying to bite it off. I was in this club. I was trying to bite it off in the corner. A bouncer came over thinking I was doing coke. Nearly chucked me out. And I went, no, I've got this. Can you get me some scissors, please? And they managed to free I me from that. I thought a bit of cocaine. Outrageous. I thought it was bang on it right there in front of everyone. Incredible scenes. It wasn't. I was just uh, trying to get out of my restraints. Second time, yeah, uh, quite a lot older, probably in my thirties, uh, with my mates. Um, quite, I mean, we've been there for quite some time, so quite a lot of booze had been taken, and um, they put dirty dancing on, dancing on. So of course we went for the lift. Lifting, you have Apparently to lift. lifting is against club rules you these days, so we got threatened if if my feet came off the floor again, we'd be out. Really? You weren't allowed to lift? No. Or was it low ceiling or something? They just said it was too dangerous. I mean, it was dangerous. We low were all absolutely mullered. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's the thing. U.S. customs, obvious reasons. They always yeah. make you feel guilty. Yeah, the U.S. Yeah, the U.S. It's, it's hard. I, I crack jokes with those guys. Every time I go, I try and get a smile. Be you know, careful. Once, once when I went somewhere, somewhere in America, I can't remember where, I had to... They saw my passport, and I'd, I'd been to Pakistan a few years before, and I had to go and sit in the room with, you know, with people that, I, that were there to be questioned on their immigration status. Wow. And I, I had to sit there for like an hour, and then I got questioned about why I've been in Pakistan, and I said, for a bit of fun, I was, was at a jihadi training camp. <laughs> my God, no, you didn't say that, did you? I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. I told them the truth because I was cacking my yeah. pants. This is the thing. that You can't joke with those no, guys. They're no, very no, serious. No. They don't They don't like it up them. No, they don't. And, um, you know, if you're travelling with kids, and for obvious reasons they do this, but they question your children. Yeah. Who's this guy? Who's this? My kids will not speak to strangers full stop, especially strangers no. that appear to be interrogating them. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah, then my kids then behave very suspiciously. It's, it's all just very upsetting. Our, our kids... Uh, mine and uh, my kids and your kids we don't have kids together are um, although we've got the show baby of course but they are very suspicious <laughs> yes, they they're really suspicious little people yeah and my eldest as well is not a people pleaser she doesn't want to talk to you she's not talking to you yeah she's not a kind of be nice to the nice lady no she won't I'm not talking to you so u.s customs and thirdly fancy soldiers like right. the fancy ones with the big hat yeah can't see the faces yeah. They've got guns. They look fancy. You mean the bearskins? Yeah. Yeah. They look jolly, but they are trained killers. Yeah. And I think it's the it's the it's the jolly outfit combined with the license to kill terrifies me. We Catherine and I and our children went magnet fishing on Saturday at a canal in Aylesbury. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, we talked about it last week. Um you get a big, you know, a good length of rope. And a big old powerful magnet on the end of it, and you kind of put it in a canal or a river or body of water, and you've got to walk up and down with it, and hopefully you get debris. Now we had a caller last week who found loads of guns, and I think he found like five or six guns, and it became quite a big news story over this bridge, and he'd found all these guns. And I made the mistake of telling my kids that. So instantly they're, they're thinking, for guns, yeah. well, one of them said, oh, I hope we get a rocket launcher. I said, yeah, but if we, <laughs> first of all, I hope we don't get any weapons. Actually, I really hope we got some weapons. Yeah. I said, but if we do, we are going to give them to the, we have to give them to the police. We have to, and they said, okay, that's cool. Um, so we went to this place, well, where it wasn't, it was sort of, there wasn't, a, it was nearish Aylesbury. Yeah, it was the Grand Union Canal. The Grand like, Union Canal. At, at Bullbourne. Quiet bit. Uh -huh. Um, and we had two hours. 
of not really catching anything of any note no. whatsoever. But do you know what? Kids were mesmerised. Kids loved it, didn't they? Yeah. They loved it. What did yours, yours were more successful than found mine. A, they found a big bolt off the side of a narrow boat. Yep. Or some such equipment. I that was big. That was about two foot It was massive. Long, yeah. It was, it was massive. And that was like one of the first things that was found. Yeah. Within about five minutes. So they were well chuffed. That was kind of the last thing, interesting thing they found. Load of uh, nails. There was a lot of like chippings off the side of boats, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah. That was st sticking to the magnet. Uh, but I think really. Well, we got the real the treasure. treasure. Yeah. We got um, half a sunglass. We got s half a sunglasses. A sunglass, I guess you'd call it. So it was a pair of sunglasses with one of the lenses missing. But it was like they found the Ark of the Covenant. They were wearing them. Oh, God. They were, there's pictures with them all in them. Uh, <laughs> They were totally wearing them, and uh, they were they were so thrilled. And we were there for two hours, just maybe just not shy of two hours, walking up and down the canal, and they loved it. And also, we got I, we got to see something I haven't seen for years. You've never seen. I've never seen apart from and on telly. The kids got to take part. We got to help a boat go through a lock in the canal. Because we were walking past and this boat was going past and we saw this boat going into a lock and I used it, right, that was a good time to do some dadjication and I said, well, you know what this is, we look, the water level's different and what they do is it lowers it and it goes, all right, all right, oh yeah. And they were kind of interested in it. And then they saw some other kids were pushing one of the lock doors shut. And I said, well, in a few minutes we're going to have to open this side and I'm sure the kids and the lady, you know, whose boat it is, I'm sure they'll be, they'd let you open the door and then shut the door, which of course they did. And, and all of the kids, I mean, I don't know how much impact they were making. Maybe she was doing most of it on her side. There was about seven kids there was seven, Well, there was f our four and another three, maybe another four, yeah. all pushing this door. And they were all really, they were stood behind this woman waiting so they could get in and get the best spot. They were really giving it everything they had, pushing this door. They were thrilled by it. Absolutely thrilled. And then we let them cross across the lock, go across the lock on this little kind of walkway across the gates and, um... Yeah, I, I tried to just tried to contain it. my heart attack. Oh, you did? I'm sorry, because I said to my kids they could do it. But I could see the other side of it. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was a sheer drop onto rock. Yeah, uh, you know, my kids annoy me. But, so I don't uh, mind taking those risks. It was something, it was a moment that, um, terrified me as a parent, but actually they, they were elated. But they, uh... It was great. Go to a canal. And how dull is this, right, you'd think? And it wasn't the best weather. It was a little bit drizzly. It was very grey. Go to a canal for a couple of hours. We had a flask of hot chocolate. So they were like, they were having their hot chocolates and thinking they were very grown up. Um, everyone was smoking weed, though. Not our kids. <laughs> our kids were smoking hash. No, everyone, oh, everyone in every boat was smoking, had a fat doobie on. <laughs> There did seem to be a little bit of um, a riverboat culture going on Wasn't there that we were not part of. There was this stoned guy who was pointing out carp to us, and I'm thinking, please don't point out carp to my children, you junkie. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but then we saw a cute dog um, in a boat smoking we, a joint, and then we we looked through at the dog and we saw his master was sitting next to him smoking a, a bit a big fat one big old fat doobs on the go the dog was obviously gasping ah, for air. But then one good thing, one of the stoners as we were leaving remembered he dropped um, like a. Uh, a thing. A sack barrow. A sack barrow. I didn't know what that was. He dropped a sack barrow in the thing and he went, hey man, can I, can I borrow your magnet please to get this out? So we did see the magnet very, very strong. That was the kids magnet yeah, as well. Yeah, that was impressive. Very, very strong pulling out a huge piece of metal. 
equipment. But all in all, great that British Waterways maintain that section of the Grand Union Canal, so it was clean as a whistle down there, we yeah. couldn't find anything. But disappointing from a magnet fishing perspective. Yeah, but we'll go again. I Here's the thing, magnet fishing, unlike actual fishing, actual fishing replenishes, right? Because they have baby fish and stuff like that. Oh, I need to speak to you about my chimney in a minute, dear listener. This is, this is exciting radio. Uh, but magnet fishing, once it's all been collected, that's kind of it. No, because those things are chugging up and down, dropping stuff all the time. Well, but you need to get tossed off. Someone, something needs to get tossed off for it to, to be in there, because it's not, uh, you know. So what, we're actually encouraging yeah. river yeah. littering? Yeah, well, my youngest wanted to throw the flask in there and then... So that we'd have something to get out. So you can jog on, <laughs> did sunshine. Yeah, he did. When we went back to the car to get it, he throw that in. I said, "We're not going to do that. We'll catch diphtheria <laughs> or something." <laughs> Don't phone in, uh, dear listener. The phones aren't working. Um, so me and Kath are just going to sit here and chat for a bit. This is Talk Radio, the late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Someone sent me a link, which I have now lost, of um, someone magnet fishing. They found a bomb. <gasps> bomb an actual bomb well the joy the thrill my youngest has asked me when we go to the lake district soon whether we can borrow your magnets because she wants a world war ii bomb <laughs> well she I'm... seems to think that they targeted the lakes a lot <laughs> your youngest is yes. just, she terrifies me that's another person that scares me is your youngest <laughs> she scares me too she's so she's actually freaky <laughs> Did you drop her on her head as a baby? You did, didn't you? Not enough. No, no, no. She fell down the stairs a couple of oh, times. Oh, that was it. I'll okay. do it. Um, this is a good one. J JJ Frog says, I drive to work. By the way, the phones aren't working, so deal with it. I drive to work at 3 a.m. and nothing, and this is, I get this. Nothing scares me more than having a police car behind me at that time when yeah. I'm the only other car on the road. I go from perfectly okay to suddenly feeling I'm responsible for anything that's ever happened. I get that. I get that fear, man. I get that fear. And then sometimes they just pull you over just for shits and giggles. I got pulled over and, sh and told off by a police officer once. But I had done a red light. Had you? Yeah. I never forget. I was lost. I, I, I never forget it. this, right? And this is a very naughty story, okay? But me and a very well-known actor who I will not including this story, but it's Mackenzie Crook. And we were driving, so before we were famous, and we were driving to Birmingham to do a gig. I think it's the night that we smashed into a crow, which is apparently is a bad omen. Yeah, right? a crow. And we... Uh, I was driving and Mackenzie was smoking a joint, <gasps> right? Smoking a skunk joint. And the car stank a weed and we got pulled over. <sighs> and I'm thinking, oh my God. God, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. As soon as we wind down that window, that guy's going to go, You're <laughs> And he didn't. And he pulled us over and he said, Do you know what? One of your brake lights is out. And I went, I didn't know that. I'll get it sorted as soon as I can. We're going to Birmingham. I'll get a light now. He said, Okay. Um, best of luck. Enjoy your evening. And we drove off. And we drove off. Later that evening... We were in, uh, uh, we were, went to a service station and we walked in and, um, there were loads of policemen in there. And I'm saying to Mackenzie, just be cool, man. Let's just, 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 just be cool, right? And so we're walking around and we're shopping. We queue up behind the policeman and then we pay and stuff like that. And then the policeman go and then Mackenzie sort of lets out a sigh of relief. I said, that's good they've gone. He said, yeah, yeah, look at my jumper. And he had this like big bobbly jumper on and it was just covered in weed. <laughs> 
<laughs> he just spilled all this weed down him and it was covered Slick. in weed. Mackenzie did this really good gag. Um, and I can't quite remember the wording of it, right? This is how clever he is. He did a character, Charlie Cheese, which was this, you know, kind of spoof 70s out of date comedian. And he, he, he made a jumper, right? He had a jumper and on it he put in red wool something like the North Kent country club and fair. Right. Right. And then he'd go, I'd go, oh, look, there's a thread sticking out of that. Oh, no, no, no. And he would pull the thread and it would pull out all of the letters and it would just say, I am a C across there. It was, and it took ages. It took him two or three minutes to pull this thread out and then it revealed I am a C. It was such a good gag. It was such a good gag. We did a couple of Edinburgh's together, Edinburgh shows together and, um, remember the first one and I didn't really know what I was doing and I, he was, Mackenzie was always significantly better at stand-up or not stand-up but character comedy than I was at stand-up and we did this show where he was doing these characters and uh, Bob Mortimer talks about it in the foreword of the book yeah. briefly and I was doing this kind of, st- this stand-up thing but I was, uh, my stand-up was very, very hit and miss and I was flattered that he'd asked me to do it and um it, there was a little bit of a buzz about the show, but it was all, all the buzz was, was aimed at Mackenzie. And I remember sat in the, um, like reception. I would, I would do my bit, then I would go out and sit in reception, then he would finish and I would come back in and do la 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 la, and this would go on and on. And I remember sitting there and you get some latecomers coming in and you, all right. And then one day it was Bob Mortimer. Bob Mortimer walked in late and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is the most insane moment of my life. Funnily enough, that year we were also sharing a flat with Charlie Chuck, of all people. I remember he had a go at me because he came in one this night. This is the guy who became Uncle Peter. Yeah, yeah, he was Uncle Peter. He'd been Uncle Peter at that point. Oh. Um, and he he wasn't doing a show with us, but we were sh- sharing a place with him. And I didn't really get on with him. It was all right. But I remember we had a, he told me off because um, he came and seen the show the night before and I'd called the audience a C. Don't, you mustn't call the audience a bunch of C's. You can't do that. It's out of order. I remember, uh, uh, and you know what, I think you can get away with it at times, but he may have been right in that instance. I, 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 I hated doing stand-up. It's weird, isn't it? I hated doing stand-up, but I had no, I knew, I didn't know what, I, I, I wanted to be an actor, right? But I couldn't get any acting work. Uh, and so you went and did something that was harder. So I went and did, I, I knew, I didn't know, I knew that I couldn't get a proper job. I didn't know what the plan was going to be, but, but stand-up was the only thing, I never wanted to be a stand-up forever, right? But stand-up was the only thing that was kind of close enough to what I wanted to do and be, even though I didn't quite know what I wanted to do and be. Um, and... You could get, like, unpaid gigs all the time if you wanted. And it got a little bit of money. And sometimes I was really good at stand-up. I would say, like, 20% of my stand-up gigs, I was great. Because it, that was the 20% was when I would let go and forget my written material, which was rubbish and mm-hmm. was ripped off from other people. But a huge bit I'd ripped off from Steve Coogan. And when I was able to let go of that and kind of be free, man, and be in the moment, then it was like this. Yeah. Then it was just like chatting, but funny. And a little bit, it was a lot more manic. There's a lot of mania involved in it. It was very hyper. Um, 
And I used to do a bit where I would like attack someone in the stage and rip their shoe off and then toss it to the back of the thing. It was risky, man. It was risky. Um, but, but 20% hit rate for a stand-up is not good enough. And the other 80% was mediocre to, to awful. How did you make yourself keep going back and doing it though? Cause you know what it's I, like. I don't know. I don't know. I look back on that boy, cause I was 23, 24, 25, 23 up to, Maybe 26, 20, no, 21 up to 26, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I would go all over the, all over London and sometimes all over the country and turn up in pubs and go, I'm the open spot. And I used to do it in a costume as well. I had like a safari jacket and a red polo neck jumper and khaki trousers. I don't really know why. <laughs> it's because the material wasn't that good. So I thought if I look funny, yeah. then that'll be something. And, um, I would turn up and go, I'm the open spot. And the open spots get treated like a piece of shit. And they go, oh, okay. At some places you might get a bit of food. There was a Mexican restaurant in South London where you'd get fed, which was great. You might get a couple of drinks. You might get a fiver. But generally it was nothing. Yeah. You turn up and you have five minutes or you had ten minutes. And, and that was that. And you'd go on and you'd do it. And I, I wasn't very, I did never really spoke to any of the other comedians. I did it at the comedy store once. Well, psychologically you've got to be quite robust to do that. I you? don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did it. I couldn't walk in to a pub now go, I'm the open spot. And sometimes it was in nice comedy clubs. Yeah. I did Jonglers and I did the comedy club, the comedy store and, and stuff like that. Sometimes it was nice comedy clubs. More often than not, it was a room, it was, it was either the room above a pub or it was the pub mm. with a microphone on and the jukebox playing in the other corner of the room. Those were the best gigs though because then I'd just go nuts and just would climb on tables and <laughs> unscrew light fittings and do, would do that quite a lot. Would I, I would leave a lot of physical damage to the right. premises that I was performing and in. And you were the kind, because you've got to be in charge of the audience, that's what I keep hearing, that you need to be in charge of them and they need to be a bit scared of you. And so yeah. you were scared because you were loco. I could go, I could, I could go manic. Like really, boom, 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 uh-huh. pulling the shoe off someone and chucking it down there. Just, just, just dragging them across the stage, standing on the table. You know, I, I could go nuts. Um, but, uh, I, I just look back and I think, how did I do that? I have the balls to do that. And I saw loads of people doing it then. Dominic Holland, um, I remember seeing, uh, who's the Irish gentleman? Which one? We've got a beard now. Chat show. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. I remember seeing Graham Norton in a green room and he was kind of, he wasn't very famous, but he was kind of quite a far up the chain. He was good, wasn't he? He was good, yeah, he was great. I remember seeing Ardlo Hanlon. Jeez, uh, man, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen is Ardlo Hanlon doing stand-up in a pizza restaurant that was run by Sasha. It, it was the funniest, just on the floor laughing at that. So the gig I did with Sasha Baron Cohen and Ardlo Hanlon, and I was the open spot, and I, I killed it. It was in a pizza restaurant near uh, uh, Kensington, and it was an open spot, and it was unpaid, and I threw up in the toilet before. That was a regular ritual. I'd throw up, and then I did it, and I did my seven minutes, man. Killed it. I killed it. And I came off. And Sasha went on and went, that was great. Who wants some more? Let's get him back. No. I think no, I haven't got any more. I've done, I've done it. I've done everything. I said, I haven't got anything else. And I went on and the next three or four minutes was just awful. And, um, was that, is we doing stand up? Because I didn't really like stand-up either. I didn't really oh, so like it as an art form. And if you feel like a lot of the time your jokes didn't land, that takes a lot of balls to keep doing it. Yeah, it was terrific. Who else did I uh, work with? The, the, the Geordie guy. Remember, what's the guy? Geordie guy. 
got long hair now. Oh, Ross, Ross Noble. Noble. I remember I did a few gigs with Ross Noble. I remember him, him being very drunk one night and going, do you know, you're okay, but you're not, you're not a stand up. You're like an actor playing the part of a stand up. And now I look back and think, actually, it's quite astute at the time. I thought, screw you, man. How dare you? Um, yeah, but also not a helpful thing to say to him. No, no, he was, he was, a, he was a bit arrogant back in the day. There was a lot of arrogance going on there. Who else? But isn't that necessary? Yeah. Boothby Graffo, I didn't really, I didn't like when, when I met him a few times. Um, Simon Evans was, was doing it, was around doing it. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who else. But that feels like, I mean, it was 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. But as soon as I got on the telly, I think I had one more, two more gigs. I had two more gigs. I had one gig opening for, I think it was Hattie Hayridge at like an art centre in Oxford. She passed away now, hasn't she, Hattie Hayridge? I think she's dead, isn't she? I'm not sure. I think Hattie Hayridge has passed away. She was lovely, but I died on my arse, so I left without even... No, she's my... still about. Is she still about? Yes. Yeah, Why do I think she died? Don't know why. Anyway, I did a gig for her. And then I did another one. My last one was with Mackenzie and with Charlie Chuck. And the guy wasn't going to pay us. And I was on telly at that point. And I, I, what I was doing on telly didn't correlate with the character I was doing on stage. So it, it couldn't work. I wasn't clever enough to change it. And the guy wasn't going to pay us. I remember Charlie Chuck saying, you've got to go and speak to him to get the money. I said, whoa, why have I got to go and speak to him? He said, you've got to go and speak to him and get the money for us. So I, I, I think I did. I think he paid us in the end. We all kind of went, if, if, if we don't get paid, we ain't leaving this room. Wow. Kind right. of, kind of thing. It was, there was a lot of those. I ripped, I remember going to Cambridge, getting a train to Cambridge to do a gig and it was, and we didn't get paid. The promoter ran off without paying anybody. And then there were four other comedians and they all shared a, ca- a car back to London and I missed the train. I missed the train and they wouldn't give me a lift. What? Arseholes. Arseholes. I wonder if things have changed, because you listen to Bob Mills, the show he used to do, um, but he talks a lot, you know, about the kind of shady side, of the business side of things, and yeah. how some of these comedy clubs, it sounds like they were run by right dodgepots. I think it's more supportive. I think other comedians are more supportive now, though. There was a lot of backstabbing, and I didn't, I just didn't like the vibe. It's just a lot of, a bit of cocaine, I suppose, was going on there. I hadn't discovered cocaine at that point, but looking back, there was definitely a cocaine. It was very cliquey. Well, there's a lot of ego involved, isn't there? It was very cliquey, and I wasn't part of the clique. I remember doing a gig in Brighton with Mackenzie and... Uh, who's, who's the guy from Buzzcocks? Oh, Johnny Vegas? No, no. no. Um, Phil Jupiter. Phil Jupiter's. And... Uh, Mackenzie was, was, was a little, was well known on the circuit and people respected him a lot because he was always brilliant and no one knew me and I wasn't that great that night. And I, and I was driving Mackenzie there and back. And I just remember Phil Jupiter just completely, you know, coming up to me and Mackenzie and just completely blanking me and speaking. Yeah. To, I've since met Phil Jupiter and actually he's a really nice bloke, but I remember that night just thinking, ah, oh, man. Yeah, you notice this stuff, don't this you? This sucks. Yeah. I wasn't cut out for that world. Amy, do we have phones? Nope, we don't. <laughs> we don't? Is the engineer working on the phones? Yeah, he's still working. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, well, we'll carry on chatting. Um, let's have an interview from the vaults for half past, shall we? Because I think we've earned our money. Um, so don't don't call in. You can tweet us if you like, although I, I've got my computer closed, but I will open it up again. 
to have a little look at your your uh, tweets, and we will have an interview from the vaults. And how about a nice cup of tea? Wow, now <laughs> Did that talking. work? Ah, we'll get through it, guys. It's the Late Night Alternative, weeknights from 10 on Talk Radio with Ian and Kath on Talk Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. There's a boss that keeps on calling me down the road. It's where I'll always be Every stop I make I make a new friend Can't stay for long Just turn around and I'm gone again Maybe tomorrow I wanna settle down Until tomorrow I'll just keep moving on Down this road That never seems to end When new adventure Lies just around the bend So if you Grab your hat, come travel light, that's old style Maybe tomorrow, I wanna settle down Until tomorrow, the whole world is my home So if you wanna join me for a while Just grab your hat, come travel light, that's old style Maybe tomorrow, I wanna settle down Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on classic interview from the vault soon um i'm sorry here's the thing right it frustrates me and you may have heard me lose my temper a little bit earlier on with amy and i've apologized for that i'm, I'm frustrated with this system because this seems to be going on quite a lot of sabotage i don't know i can't rule it out um but I, I just you know i love this job man and my my job my joy comes from uh do hosting a phone-in radio show, you know, where the, the, the calls are my paints on my palette. Your voices are the paints on the palette, you know, and I, yeah, I can do a show in black and white and I can do a really, really good show in black and white, but I'd rather play, paint it in 3D Technicolor, um, using colors that you ain't even heard of yet, baby. And without the phones, I'm just doing a black and white show, but I like to watch black and white movies from time to time. I love sitting down watching a little bit of Laurel and Hardy. We'll be Laurel and Hardy tonight. We'll be the Marx Brothers. 
I'll be Harold Lloyd. I can do that. We can do that. You don't want it every night. But, um, but I can do that. I tell you what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. I'm on Twitter, at Ian Lee, right? And at Flipping Kath. Uh, um, Meryl O'Rourke is listening. Hello, Meryl. Meryl was doing stand-up at the same time that I was doing stand-up. I suspect I was probably very horrible to you. Oh, I know I was, because we've talked about it. It made me feel a bit stupid I'm still in it. She said, oh, God, don't be stupid. You were good. You had talent. You could do it. That was never my end game, and I couldn't do it. She says, I don't really remember you separate from Mackenzie. I'm not sure how many times I saw you solo. Uh, M- Mackenzie and I, I, I listen, I recognised he was brilliant. Genius? Uh, I don't know, but pretty darn close. And I latched onto him. I thought, if anybody is going to help me... um <laughs> if anybody's going to help me, I'm going to hang on to this talented person who seems to like me. She says it was far more backstabby then. Yeah, I, apparently so. I, I've heard from and spoken to a few, but not too many, uh, spoken to a few younger comedians, you know, people in their 20s, and, and heard that, it is, that the stand-up world is is much nicer uh, and much more supportive. Meryl, maybe you can remind me. There was a comedian. I mean, we all remember the Shans and the Jimbos, but there was a there was a guy who I th- always thought was hilarious, right? And I cannot remember his name. He went out for a while with Corolla. I'm just having a conversation with Meryl O'Rourke, okay, guys? Please don't earwig. Corolla Gilda, I think her name was. She was a comedian. And I think this guy went out with her. It's called like Sean something. And I remember, I always thought his act was brilliant. And he did this kind of nervous sort of act. And I remember he'd sort of rub his hands out. And then I saw him six months later and he was doing it in a velvet suit. And he had a line, something like, um, uh, if you know these jokes, um, sing along with me. And his name was Sean something. And I always thought he was hilarious. Like, really, really funny. You, th- th- there were certain people you thought were going to make it. Mackenzie was obviously going to make it. Um, Ardell O'Hanlon was obviously going to make it. Uh, there were some that were obviously going to do it. And I thought this guy, and I think his name was Sean, Shawnee somebody. I'm talking to Meryl O'Rourke, who's, who's I used to do gigs with yeah, back in the day. And she's listening. But I cannot remember this guy's name, and I've thought about him often, and I, I can't think can't think what his name is. My favourite act was a guy called Jimbo, who was, was this older guy, older. I mean, he was probably in his late 30s. We were in our 20s. And he was brilliant. And um, I, uh, I nicked some of the I nicked some of the vibe from him later on. I didn't nick any of his material, but I nicked the vibe. And he would do, I remember him doing this thing, he'd come on and he'd take his jacket off and he'd hang it up on the stage and he'd do stuff. And I've seen him do sets where he wouldn't even say anything. Oh. And he'd do like five, ten minutes, paid gigs. Five, ten minutes, ten minute paid gig. And then he'd he'd just put his jacket on and he'd, he'd walk out the club and not collect, he'd just go. I've seen him do that a couple of times. A guy called I think he was called Jimbo, and you don't get these um, sort of old that cross between stand up and variety. I don't want to sound like Bob Mills, and I don't want to tread on Bob Mills's uh, toes too much. But there was a, there was a real crossover even then of of, of people that were slightly weirder that you could never classify as a stand up. Right. So what was he playing on that sort of Kaufman style discomfort thing? I suppose so. 
I suppose so. I don't. I suppose so. It was sometimes it was funny. I mean, me, me and my mate Justin Webb, Justin Wait, Justin Wait, who I used to live with, we would go and do stand up together. And he was, I don't know, it was never my cup of tea. Anyway, we have Twitter open, right? The phones aren't working. We have Twitter open, and, and people are saying, "Hey, I'm enjoying you talking about the old days." I don't, but I have old days that that were different to your old days. So if you want to ask me or Catherine anything, right? The phones are down. If you want to ask us anything. You can do it via Twitter. Don't text in because I don't think that's working. I've switched that screen off because it was annoying me. Until the phones are working, <laughs> that screen is staying off. Mm. So if you want to tweet me at Ian Lee or at Flippin, no G, Kath with a K, at Flippin Kath, anything. I mean, we, we expect vulgarities, Catherine, I think. Oh, the, gosh, vul- yeah. Vulgarities will be... Uh... Oh. What was that? That was my computer, but I don't know what it said. Can you hear me? Who said that? Who said that? That's my computer. Have I got my computer open? Hello? Who is that? I've not got Skype open, have I? No. Who said that? Was it you? Um, But what? That must have a window open somewhere that's got voices coming from it. (laughs) That was nearly a sentence. Anyway, we'll turn that down. If anyone wants to ask us a question... um, or, oh, what, the, the Mary says, I'm in the house now deciding between watching Barry Manilow or to listen to the, the show. Oh, that's her. Listen to, watch Barry Manilow, Meryl. We, I think we've, we've, we've had the goals. Watch Barry Manilow. That's the way forward. Um, first time I met Mackenzie, I think I've told this before. If you want to ask us a question about anything, at Ian Lee, at Flipping Kath, and we'll, we'll, we'll have it open and we'll have a look. First time I met Mackenzie, and I was aware of him, his Charlie Cheese, uh, uh, character, right? It was great. And I did a gig with him in somewhere in South London towards Kent that began with a B. Beckenham. It was in Beckenham, a pub in Beckenham. And I was with a girlfriend at the time, Sarah. And I was quite excited because Charlie Cheese was on the bill. And I'd, I'd heard of him, but I'd never seen him. And um, we went on and there was another comedian on who was rubbish. And I went on, I did quite well that night, actually. I was quite funny. And me and Mackenzie got on really well. You know when you meet someone for the first time and you're just kind of riffing and yeah. throwing lines at each other and getting on. And at the end of it, he said to me, um, should we swap phone numbers? And I was like, well, yeah, man, definitely. He said, give us a call, give us a call and we'll meet up. I was like, all right, yeah, fine. I thought, wow, this is it. In, because he was a little bit of a name. And so I had his phone number and I was back at Sarah's the next day. And of course I was never going to phone him because I was too scared. And she said, oh no, phone him. Phone him. I said, really? She goes, yeah, go on, phone him up. He gave you the number. Um, phone him up. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I phoned him up. I said, there's Mackenzie there. I'll just get him. Hey, Mackenzie, it's Ian Rugby here. That was the name I was going on. It's Ian Rugby here. All right, yeah. Yeah, you said to give you a call. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we chatted for 20 minutes. No, we chatted about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I put the phone down, and it was apparent to me throughout the whole phone call, he didn't have a clue who I was. Didn't oh. remember me in the slightest. I was crushed, man. I was absolutely, uh, I was, I was destroyed. So what happened after that then? Because you ended up being mates. I can't remember. We ended up doing a gig together, and a few weeks later, I think, we ended up doing a gig together, and I, I reminded, he was a massive stoner. Mm. I was a massive stoner. We were massive stoners at that point. And, um, we, uh, we, I reminded him and, um, um we laughed. 
And then we became friends and we lived, we lived together for, for a few years. We lived together when he was doing a show called Barking on Channel 4 and he was doing a thing called Charlie Cheese's Comedy Cafe and we used to write that together. And then I, I got the 11 o'clock show and, and then he got the 11 o'clock show because I pushed for him to be on it. And it was like the, the year that me and him were doing the 11 o'clock show. That was, that was it. That was the peak. That was peak. That was peak. I was on TV hosting a show and I'd managed to get my best mate on the show as well. I'm getting paid a fortune. It's incredible. What a time to be alive. And it was the excitement and the joy was never as high as that second series of the 11 o'clock show, first, first four or five weeks of me and Mackenzie doing it together. It was wonderful. Hmm. Wonderful. Joy. Joyous. Um, we have some questions. I'm going to do them in the order they come. What was uh, Gervais like back in the day? I used to like Ricky Gervais a lot. There was, because he, he was on the 11 o'clock show, for those who don't know, he hadn't done The Office at that point, although it turns out, well, he hadn't done The Office at that point. He had been on, um, he did a show on XFM with Stephen Merchant, and there was a real split in the 11 o'clock show team, 50-50, do we get him on or don't? Oh. And so I was in team, you've got to have this guy on. There was, this, this was, so there was like a, a two-week run series, it won't all be 11 o'clock show checks. I know it's not for everyone. There was a two-week run series where it was Brendan Burns and Fred McCauley hosting it, and I was the third cog, third wheel, whatever. So all th three blokes? Three blokes. Then that was a two-week pilot series. Then when the series got commissioned properly, they m got rid of Brendan and Fred, and they bumped me up. They got rid of Brendan because he was dyslexic and couldn't read autocue, and, and it showed. They bumped me up to the main host... And they were looking for a second host, and for a while it was going to be Gervais. There was going to be Gervais, and then Daisy was found. Daisy Donovan, who was the PA for Harry Thompson, who was the show's producer, was kind of like the last couple of weeks. It was like, well, let's give her a chance because she was stunningly beautiful and was obviously, you know, very talented. So, so, but then there was a big divide about whether Gervais should be in it or not, and it was a real. Remember a big meeting in the office with everybody going, you've got to have him because no, 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 he's rubbish. You can't have him for that. And I got, I always got on with him really, really well. I thought he was hilarious. I thought he was really friendly. I remember him sitting, I remember Daisy being a little bit prickly around him. Uh, I remember him sitting in my dressing room and there were, were blinds that were made out of the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, right? And this is so not funny. But he was just, there were these blinds that were made out of wood and he'd been riffing for ages as he does. And then there was like silence. And then he just rippled the blinds and went, ooh, snaky lady. And I just pissed myself. It was the funniest thing, seeing him go, ooh, snaky lady. And I was in hysterics. So I got on really well with him. And then he brought Stephen Merchant along one night and I didn't get on with him. I've since got, I've since met him and got on with him. But he was very, very rude to me, like the first time we met. And then Ricky lent me this tape of a, of a pilot for the office he'd made that was for BBC and was completely different. It ended up with him wearing David Bowie makeup and standing oh, wow, on a okay. desk. Uh, and then, then he left and I remember he phoned me up. The last time he phoned me up was when he was in the dressing room of doing room 101 and he said, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing here. I'm shitting myself. That was it and I never saw him again. Never, I saw him, I saw him, I bumped into him once in Oxford Street and he didn't talk to me. And that was it. But then occasionally he pops up on Twitter and... Occasionally he does. I, I did feel quite abandoned by him for a long time because we got on so well. And then you'd see him out schmoozing with like Jonathan Ross and David Bedeal and stuff. And I did feel a bit, oh, okay. And now I see it as showbiz. That's the yeah. way it goes. But yeah, I was hurt uh, for a little bit. Um, Roger says, what's the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Why don't you do periscope? Can't be bothered. 
uh, when was your last poo at work? And ask Catherine too, please, says William. I've not had a poo at work for weeks, Catherine. Uh, no, I threw up, though, on Friday. Does that count? What kind of cake? Oh, that lovely cake you made. What was yeah, that? Yeah, that was a buttermilk loaf. Yeah, buttermilk loaf. I'm going to make another one on Wednesday. Carrie says, and this is for both of us, what, my question is, what are your ambitions, or are you still ambitious? What's your ambitions? I've talked. Why don't you talk? What are my ambitions? Um... I would like this, uh, it's really for this show rather than for me. Um, like the phones to work. I'd like us to, I would like us to be doing uh, something where more people knew about us. I feel like this is a great show and I feel like it um, deserves to be heard by more people. And at this point, I wonder whether it ever will. <laughs> That's my ambition. My ambition would be this to be heard. My real ambition is to do this show in America. On like an American radio station. It's a bit of a commute, mate. You're no, no, about an extra I'd 40 move. Minutes. I'd move. Totally move. And do this show in America to an American, an unsuspecting American audience. Because most of the people here know, most of the people listening know the show. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to pull the wool over people's eyes. Actually, it's not. We could be pulling the wool over people's eyes now and they wouldn't know. But it's kind of harder for us to pull the wool over people's eyes. But if we took this to America, oh, sweet. Jesus. They wouldn't know what to do. Would they, they wouldn't know what to do. And it would be hilarious and it would cause outrage and it would cause upset and it would be wonderful. Wonderful. Mm. So my ambition is to do this show across the States. Um, Peter says, I've heard this is common. Do you ever have, ever have occasional dreams, nightmares about going to back to school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not school, university. Trying to find an, uh, an exam room and not being able to find it. Mine is exams, but I haven't revised for it, and everyone has. And if if I, but then I go, then after a while I go, well, hang on a minute, I'm 46 and I've got a house, so this is rubbish. Yeah. But then someone says, oh no no no, if you fail this exam, you lose everything. What? Oh. Yeah, I get that. Gosh, because normally by the end of the dream, I recognise it must be a dream. Um, what's the situation with the video game voiceover? Haven't heard you mention it for a while. We're waiting. We're waiting. Is the Crook and Lee pilot available anywhere? If not, do you have a copy you could upload, says Paul. That was a show I did with Mackenzie. It was written by Bob Mortimer. And we filmed it at the MTV studios in Camden years ago. It's got the My Cock is Bigger Than Yours song. It's got Tony Hadley singing on there while me and Mackenzie kind of do our best Morecambe and Wise impressions in the back. There was some free-running stuff in it. My memory of it is, it's not that funny. It was, it was, so Bob wrote it because he was big fans of both of us and we, and directed it and we appeared in it as an audience. Some of you may have come, seen it. And it was uh, with the BBC and it was between us and, uh, Corden and Horn as to who was going to get a series. And of course they went with Corden and Horn. I remember Bob being furious about it. Furious. So I've got it. I've got it. I fingered the VHS tape the other day actually. And I'm tempted to put it up on YouTube, but then part of me thinks it's not very good, actually, and it's a bit embarrassing. There's some funny bits in it, but it's a bit... Would you rather just keep the mystery? Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. Matty says, because he's a bum lick, can we learn a bit more about what Catherine used to do <laughs> if she wants to share? Well, I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That much is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh... What bit? What bit, Matty? The origins of my life are quite inconsequential. Um, No, what it was, I I, I trained as a journalist and started out as a journalist and worked at a local radio station called Herrowood FM, 
which I think now is Heart in Peterborough. And um, working on that time, uh, that radio station at that time, it was one woman, uh, one woman shift. So I'd swap over with the woman generally who was uh, doing the news. Yes, but I'd have to do all the interviews, and I was doing split bulletins, which means that you do them for several other stations. Right. So I got really fast yeah. and accurate, and it was it was a trial by fire, but it was it was a good training ground. But after about nine months, I'd had enough. And um, I had done um, work experience at Crime Watch, and I got friendly because I used to smoke with the um, editors. I can't imagine you smoking. I know it's crazy. You'd have a real, you you have a very nice, smooth young mouth. You'd have a proper <laughs> cat's arsehole now. I would if I'd have carried on. Yeah, but you know, smoking kills, but it certainly helped my career a little bit. <laughs> Uh, so, in the smoking room, I, I got friendly with um, the editor of Crime Watch's secretary, who used to work for this guy called, N I think his name was Nigel Kay, who was head of Nations and Regions at that point, who was the guy who did the, well, oversaw all the local radio stations. Yeah. And at that point, I was um, applying for a BBC traineeship. Um, and she said, oh, go and speak to Nigel, he'll give you some tips, because he's writing the booklet that he's going to give to the people that get it. So I went and had a chat with him, and it was my first experience of the way a lot of still sort of showbiz and, and you know, um, I count broadcasting as showbiz as well, a lot of way that this stuff works, whereas you can have the qualifications, but it's about being the person on the spot. And so the fact that I'd been over there and I wasn't just an email, I was a face, and I had a coffee yeah. with him and a chat, and at that point I had nothing to lose. Um, so, you know, I was just, you know, I was a young, ambitious I eager, um, but I didn't think it was going to go anywhere, so I just went for a chat with this old fella. Yeah. Um, and he said to me after the conversation, he said, I think that you've got it, and if you couldn't, if you don't get through on this traineeship, give me a shout and I'll write a strong letter to wherever you could oh, go to work. Wow. And that's what happened. He gave me this strong letter. He wrote to BBC Three Counties Radio and a couple of other places, maybe Cambridgeshire as well, because at, at that point I was working in Peterborough. Um, and Three Counties got back to me. And at that point, I was, I've only just started my job, so I kind of said, thanks very much, I'll get, I'll be in touch. And then when I started to get fed up in commercial radio, I got in touch with this person who had moved on, of course. Yeah. And then no one responded to my messages. And, yeah. um, then I kind of remembered, a bit like the Mackenzie Cook, Crook thing, that she'd give me a home phone number, but I felt weird about ringing it. And then I thought, I had a moment of, do you know what? She gave me a number for yeah. a reason, balls to it, I'm gonna ring her. Yeah. And if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have got the interview that eventually got me a job. And I stayed at Three Counties for 15 years, working first of all in news and as a reporter, and then ended up having my own show. They gave me a... I remember the boss coming up to me on a Thursday and saying, what are you doing Sunday? Nothing, why? You're doing the gardening show. Here I haven't got go. a garden. No. no, but you've got the gift of the gab. And he said, you know, I was the sort of person who, when I was in the office, I was. Ho he said, I want you to hold court on air like you do in the office. Yeah. So much easier said than done. So much easier said than done. It took me, you know, five, I did that show for about three years and then I got moved on to drive time and all that time, you know, if I listen back, I, I did keep tapes and bloody awful and I can't, I can't listen to them What's now. What's that like VHS tape in the boot of your car? That That's you when I used to do, uh, on, on a, <laughs> on a Friday, I think it was, I used to work for Look East. I yes. used to do, um, television Has it, has it got the donkey in a field story? I think it's got Sadie the donkey. Bring it round, man. I'll convert it. All right. So yeah, I was doing a bit of that, but I thought it was going to be news, and then I got kind of moved into programming, and I was doing a drive time show that I was um, self-producing, which basically means you save money by doing two people's jobs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to talk to the producer, 
It was just purely on, and it was BBC an all talk station. funny about that. Yeah, it was an all talk station at that point, so it was pure talk. So again, it was kind of being forced, dropped in at the deep end and forced to crack yeah. on with it. Which is, you know, at the time I thought, I thought, hang on a minute, all the blokes are being paid more than me, they've all got backup, of course my show's not going to be as good because I don't get breathing space. I get in at 11 o'clock, go home at, you know, half past seven. And I'm not living a life. How can I tell them about my life? You know, I was in mid, mid-twenties. Yeah. I had nothing to say for myself, really. Oh, it was funny. kind of a rolling news show. Um, then I got, I can't remember what the, the, what it, how it went after that. Uh, I got put on breakfast for a while with someone who didn't want to share. And I think, I think we've both been told different things. I think I've been told that I was there to freshen things up. And I think he'd been told he had to have a woman. <laughs> and he didn't appreciate it and we were not on the same side and I tried my best to make it work but I, you know when you're with someone who doesn't this kind of putting a man and a woman together on air doesn't necessarily mean you're all, always going to get on no. and it's going to sound good and it sounded bloody awful yeah. it sounded like it was that kind of sub Richard and Judy thing that you hear on a lot of unfortunately on a lot of local radio which is I'm going to read this and he's going to read that. Yeah. And together, we're going to tell you about All this All the thing. worst thing was, well, this is the end of the man speaking. Let's find out what your texts are from the woman. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that. Or it would be, um, I'm going to do this story about, uh, for example, um, a car manufacturing plant that's in trouble. And now you're going to talk about babies. Yeah, yeah. It was that. So, uh, in the meantime, Ronnie Barber had come to Three Counties. And he was doing this show that was unlike anything I've ever heard. And it was sort of topical, comedy. It was... Um, improvised for the most part, yeah. uh, apart from the, the sketches which were written and like really, really intricately written. Um, I started writing sketches for him and doing some of the female voices because at that point there was just blokes on the team. And obviously, if they're doing, you know, uh, if you want an Angela Merkel or whatever, they need a woman's voice. So, so I was Angela doing, Merkel then? Oh, it was just ge generic German. Go on. Well, I'd have talks like this, you know, until it was. <laughs> I'm just being a serious German woman, and, uh, and but I also I did a I was a nun, an angry nun. Sister Sumche said everyone was going to hell. You're going to hell. I should listen. I just need to say, let me interrupt. Right, we can carry on doing this until one, or you because I've got loads of questions. Um, or or we can play. What interview have you got? Jeff line? Goldblum. Or you can have Jeff Goldblum. How long does that last? Half an hour. Oh, we need you have to. So, what, what, what do you want, dear listener? We're going to play some ads now. You can either have Jeff Goldblum or another half an hour of us talking like this. I don't know if this is interesting. This, I'm enjoying. I'm fascinating. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> this might just be two old farts wanging on. So, te tweet us now. More of this or Jeff Goldblum. This is Talk Radio. The radio show that knows truth is always stranger than fiction. Week Monday, I get shoes. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Because they're too real to be part of my imagination. On Talk Radio. All right, we'll carry on wanging on until one. All right. Um, Tim Gatt. Um... Well, the end of the story was Angry Irish oh, yeah, sorry, go different on. characters. Yeah. Uh... Jump ship from the breakfast show. Everyone thought I was nuts. I wasn't happy. I said I'd rather do, I'd rather work with Ronnie. I worked with Ronnie for ages till he lost his job. Then I went off and had babies, came back. Still, they didn't know what to do with me, especially now because I was this kind of character, comedian, stroke writer, stroke, yeah. not really very local BBC. Put me on news. I ended up working with you. We said we weren't going to do banter. We did banter. We're not, we're not bantering now. They're not bantering now. <laughs> Tim Gatt, professional disc jockey. Hey, Tim. Uh, says, Ian, any stories from your XFM days? Was the guy who did Trevor Dome an actor or a real person? Okay, so I did XFM for, uh, on and off for a few years. I replaced Claire Sturgis. I went on a, I was, this was in the era, late 90s, 
99 probably when um if you worked on telly, they'd give you a job on radio. And I really didn't want a job on radio. And I was a guest on Claire Sturgis's show. I used to love listening to XFM back then. And like the next, I did it. And then I got a call from the guy that ran the station, uh, saying, do you want a job here? I think you've got some bogey or something on you. It's not bogey. Okay. Is it glitter? It's not, well, glitter's not green, mate. It sometimes is. Yeah, but it's green shiny. Glitter. Green I've glitter got is shiny. I'm very dry. Um, okay. And he said, do you want a job doing the show? And I said, yeah, sure. And he told me the slot. I said, well, isn't that Claire Sturgis's shot? He said, yeah, no, we'll get rid of her for you. Oh. So I did that. Trevor Dome was this guy. He was a real, he was a character. But this guy used to phone up, uh, do this character called Trevor that I was thought was very funny. And I was very much into, you know, hey, let's give new, because I was still new talent. I was like, let's give new talent a, a, a chance. And so I got, would get him to come into the studio. I think I ended up paying him like 50 quid a pop or something out of my own money. And he did some really funny stuff, Clock Shop. He played this game called Clock Shop. I don't remember how it went. Very funny. And then I left XFM because I became really unreliable and was doing a lot of cocaine. And I'd also said something, uh, I'd also said something really unpleasant on air, which I'm not even going to repeat now. It's thoroughly unpleasant. And, uh, they, they sort of said, we're going to, we've had an offcom, we're going to keep you off until we get the offcom complaint back. But they let me go, I never went back. And that was right to do, because what I said was, was thoroughly, um, unpleasant. Um, and then this Trevor Dome guy would just like email me abuse, saying, you've got to get me a job somewhere. He was a taxi driver, and I said, well, I, ca I can't really. I can't, I'm not in a position to get you a job. And he, he just, for years, would email me really foul-mouthed abuse. But when I was at XFM, Richard Parks was there. And he um, wanted me to do the breakfast show. I didn't really want to do radio. I was doing TV. I was a big TV star. I was doing mm -hmm. 11 big. But, you know, in my head, I was a big TV star. I was doing 11 o'clock show. I was getting paid thousands of pounds. And you had people telling you that you were the next big thing. Oh, I, I remember having a meeting with the head of Channel 4 saying I was the next Graham Norton. I bought into that rubbish. Um, and they wanted me to do breakfast on XFM and I said, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And so they put me in this weird position where I either had to do breakfast or there was, there was, there was this thing we did where people would phone up and in those days the phone calls were pre-recorded. So you play a record, then you take a call and record it and then you play it out. So people would phone up. I mean, it's, I think it's, I thought it was funny, right? While the record was playing, and um, I, I would go, what the F do you effing want, you see? And I'd say all of this, right? You effing see. Then while the record was playing, I would go through it and I'd bleep it. Right. Bleep it all out. But one night I left the fader up. No, no. While I was doing it. So over this record, what the F do you want, you effing? And the guy, the not Richard Parks, the guy below him, I didn't really like. He, he'd been asking me for ages to do breakfast. I said, I don't want to do it. And he said, okay, okay mate. Well, you've... Uh, Got yourself in a bit of a position here. Why were they always Australians on New Zealand? Got yourself in a bit of a position here. And um, we've got this audio of you effing and jeffing and it's, there's been a complaint now. If you take breakfast, we can overlook <gasps> this complaint and what? it will go away. And if you don't take breakfast, I'm afraid we're going to have to ask you to stand down because of your language. What? Uh, uh, sorry. Now, hang on. Your bad behaviour got you promoted. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they wanted me to be promoted... Anyway, um... Whereas I've got a, a, a... If you don't take this job, it's going to be sad because we can't guarantee you'll have a, jo a position on the radio station that will allow you to see your children. Yeah. I got given that one in a corridor, not even in an office. 
just a sidled up, by the way, uh, if you don't take this job that we want you to do that you don't want to do, um, we can't guarantee you'll be able to spend um, as much time with your kids. That's outrageous. And I, and I said to them, I've never asked for any favours. You tell me when you want me to work, I will organise it so you, d you don't think I've got children, I've got a brilliant support network. So to pull that one, that was the kind of moment that I thought, ah, right, okay, I've been working here for probably about 12 years at that point, maybe yeah. 10. I get it. No loyalty. They're yeah. just going to screw me over. I'm never going to get recommended upwards. Yeah. I'm just going to get shoved around. Yeah. Incredible. People are assholes. Mm -hmm. um, but of course it wasn't said in an official manner. And no. then from then on, I, I, I answered him with an email because I thought, right, from now on it's all written it's down. It's all being recorded. Um, someone asked about, see, did you, what, uh, did you ever get offered, uh, uh, a TV show where you interact with the audience. I didn't, but I tell you what I did do. I filmed an entire series for Channel 4 that they never showed because they considered it, I guess they considered it to be so bad. It was a chat show. They gave me a chat show, right? And this was going to be my big break and it was produced by a guy, I can't remember his name and it ruined his career. What? Ruined his career. He used to produce, um, was it CD UK? Yes. Without a deck? Yeah. So he was like, he was, I think this is this is how he told me. He was kind of the guy that made Ant and Deck famous after Biker Grove and made them into family entertainers, right? So he was responsible for that. And so this was a big thing and I was being paired with him to do a chat show and we filmed a pilot with Ben Miller, uh -huh. the Bre British comedian, and it was brilliant. And it was called The One Show. No, it was called The First Show. And you would get a guest on and you would talk about their firsts, like their first date, their first band, their first gig, their first whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And we did the pilot and the pilot was brilliant, okay? And then we got commissioned for a series, a six-part series for Channel 4, for 9 o'clock Friday night, right? So this is a big thing. And um, we filmed the entire series and we had real good guests on there. We had Lulu, we had Patsy Palmer, we had David Dickinson, we did six. We filmed all six. Who else did we have? Johnny Ball. Um, and I cannot think who the other two were. And I didn't know, but there were two commissioning editors. Um, Caroline, someone whose name kind of escapes me. Caroline, I think. And Ian Morris, who I worked with on the 11 o'clock show. And I've met Ian Morris. And you've met, he went on to write the... In between us. In between us, right. And I didn't know that they loved the pilot, but they were, they came and saw the first two and they hated it, right? They hated the direction it was going in, right? And no one told me. So it wasn't until we got, I think we had Darius on there. Right. We had Darius. I can't remember who the last one was. And no one told me until like the third episode. So we got three of them filmed and the producer, I think his name was Steve, I can't remember, said, we've got a bit of a problem. Channel 4 don't like the way it's going. But I'm, I'm adamant that we have got it right. Oh God, right, so. I'm like, okay. He said, we are doing, should I have known this before? No, 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 no. We are doing this right. The commission editors are, we're going to change it a bit. Well, so they need to catch up then. Yeah, the commission editors are the ones that, 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 so, so we filmed the entire series. And I was waiting for when it was going to go out, go out and go out. And then months later I got the thing saying, it's, it's not going to be, they're not going to screen it. It's like, whoa, filmed a whole series. I got paid really well. I must have, that's, that, that, that must have been, I don't know, a quarter of a million pounds they spent on it. Half a million pounds they spent on it. 
hiring the studio, filming it, paying these guests, crew and everything. And they weren't going to show it. And I just thought, shit, that is the end. That's the TV career gone. No one, no one has a series and it doesn't get screened. I think I got rise after that. So it wasn't quite the end, but it was near the end. And, um, and I was, I just dived into cocaine. I dived into the cocaine then. I remember like five o'clock in the morning, coked off my nut. And I knew Ian Morris and Ian Morris was a really good friend and he's still a good friend. And so I told him how I felt in an email. I said, you effer, you totally screw me over. I feel totally stitched up. You absolute ass. A really very coarse language for somebody who'd been on cocaine and it was five o'clock in the morning. But he was a friend and I, I kind of felt, actually it was still appropriate, but I felt there's a buffer here. Really raw email telling him what I thought about him and I sent it and I went to bed. And then I got up a few hours later and I thought, there's something not right about that email. Something not right about that email. And I went and checked and I hadn't sent it to him. I'd sent it to her. Oh, no! I sent it to Caroline, whose name escapes me, who I didn't have so, I didn't have a good relationship with. She blamed me for some stuff that happened in the 11 o'clock show that actually wasn't my fault. She, we, we'd used... The way we, we, we'd go out and film stuff on the streets and we went to Paris and we filmed some stuff on the streets in Paris of me secretly filmed going up to people saying, ah, to get on the Eurostar, we need a urine sample. And we did it with this guy from New Zealand. And then afterwards we go, ah, just to let you know, we're filming. If you look up, there's a camera and I just need you to say on camera that you give your consent to be filmed. And this guy said, I don't give my consent. I said, are you sure? He said, yep, I do not want you to use that. I said, okay, fine, we won't use it. And then the director, James Bobin, Put it in. Oh. He said, he said, the guy lives in New Zealand. He's not going to know. funny. He's never going to know. Yeah, the guy had relatives in the UK who saw it and it became this whole thing. And I think from what I've heard, James put it all on me and blamed me. So I took the rap for that. And, and it was this woman, this Caroline, um, who had been overseeing that. And so then I sent her this email and I, I, I was like, Oh God. And I sent her this humble email saying, I'm so sorry. That wasn't meant for you. That was meant for Ian. And I realized it's probably really inappropriate to even send to him, but I consider him a friend and I would never use that language with you. And she wrote back saying, Hey, that's fine. And that was it. That was it. You know, that was, uh, that, but that show I thought was all right. It wasn't great, but to have a whole chat show filmed and for it, uh, but, and I, my, my relationship with Channel 4 was, was, was tricky anyway because because uh, of that stuff in the 11 o'clock show because I'd agreed I was going to do series 5 and we filmed a pilot and it was all new crew and all new writing staff and it was Sarah Alexander was hosting it and uh, with me instead of Daisy and I did the pilot and I had my friend Paul Garner in the audience and afterwards I said that was terrible wasn't it he said yeah, it was awful so it was awful worse than even the worst show we ever did and I said I can't do this series and he said it would be hard for you to do it. And I walked out of it on the Friday and it was started screening on the Tuesday. Mm. And I was getting, I was being paid the most I've ever been paid. I was being paid £9,000 a week for a 10 week series. And I walked out on it and it was terrible. And it left everybody in the lurch and, you know, it soured. Channel 4 gave me two more chances after that. They gave me this chat show and they gave me Rise and neither worked. And that was, that was the end of that. Oh, that was my TV career, guys. Um, gosh, look at the time. Uh, this is Talk Radio. Let's take a break. The radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched Twin Peaks? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. We could be dreaming and meeting each other in our dreams. On Talk Radio. 
highly mentions, we're talking about old comedian with me doing comedy in the 90s, uh, a guy called Woody Bop Muddy. Malcolm Hardy. I met Malcolm Hardy, I, I met Malcolm Hardy once, I think, and I played his club once. The club that was like really horrible where people would, would just sh- shout you off. What was the, um, there's a famous, anyway, Malcolm Hardy was, I met him once and he was, I, I liked him and he was very nice to me and I did alright in his club, I didn't die. Um, but Woody Bot Muddy was this great act, right? It was called Record Graveyard. And what he would do is he would set up a record player and he's, for 20 minutes, he'd play records. And if people thought they were rubbish, he would take them off and just throw them into the audience or snap them in half. Oh. 20 minutes! It was brilliant! It was brilliant. I don't remember any more than that, to be honest, but I remember seeing it and thinking it was, uh, it was great. Um, uh, how did you find working on Big Brother? I was good. I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't have anything to say about it, really. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Rylan. Rylan was always very polite. Uh, is it AJ, who I was before I liked her? Uh, Jamie, I didn't, I wasn't on when Jamie East was on. Um, De- uh, the, the Dermot was always mm-hmm. nice. I just like Dermot, and everyone was nice. The, who's the George? George Lamb. George Lamb was nice. I went round to his house once after after it, and he made me lunch. I don't really have any stories about Big Brother's bit on the site. Uh, oh Jesus! This right, this quote, right? Paul Twist. Yes, I do remember this, Paul. Emma Willis, you worked with as well. Emma Willis was lovely. I hate this. Right? Okay, right, this isn't the normal person who brings this up. There's somebody who brings this up all the time. It does my head. So I will answer this question, Paul. Yes, as I did say any questions. You probably won't remember this, but did you really say of the eleven o'clock show you were taking what Chris Morris did and extending it? Isn't it funny? I was telling yeah. you about this the other day. This quote. Yes, I did. Uh, it was my first interview. I think it was in the Guardian, or it might have been the Times. First interview I did. I was twenty-five years old, and what I remember saying to them was. We take the 11 o'clock show, we take what Chris Morris did and we extend it and make it more suitable for a mainstream audience. So it was a very clumsy way of saying we water it down and make it more mainstream. That's how I remember saying it. And then it came out in the in the paper, we we take what Chris Morris does and we extend it. What, like he'd not done enough? Yeah, and, and it, made it, it made it into a really arrogant sounding... We're better than Chris Morris. So no, I did say it, but the, uh, there was another half of the sentence that they didn't use where I was saying basically we make it more mainstream and we water it down. So I did say that and that's, there's, there's one person who just keeps bringing that quote up like every year, every two years, they just keep bringing that flipping quote up and you just think, Jesus man, it's 20 years ago, it's 21 years ago and I've explained that it was, they, they, they chopped it in half and I'm not having hurt you, Paul. The thing is, though, is uh, especially men who like comedy, yeah. there's a certain kind of man who likes comedy who has to be an expert in it. And um, that's an example of it, isn't it? Yeah. Not, not Paul, but the no, person no, no. that continues to flog oh, you with that. Just keep like. coming up with that. Um, but uh, I got so much wrong on the 11 o'clock show. And, and uh, you know, it was funny and it wasn't that funny and bits of it stand out and bits of it probably are homophobic and probably racist. I was reminded of a, of a, a bit... Uh, watching Limmy stream, I was reminded of a bit that we filmed and, and, and thank God it never went out. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Uh, because it's so problematic. So problematic. We filmed it and we ummed and ahed about whether it would go out. And thank God it didn't go out. Because, uh, well, it was heavily racist. It was, it was one step away from me doing blackface, basically. Um, and, I, I was really, I was so nervous doing the 11 o'clock show. I was terrified, right? 
imposter syndrome and all of that, smoking a load of weed. I wasn't really doing coke at that point, but that's, that kind of started once I got a bit of money. But I wasn't doing coke when I was doing the show, but I was certainly smoking a lot of weed. I was, you know, I just, Were you drinking a lot then, aren't I? Not massively. Not massively. I was smoking all day of filming. I'd be in my dressing room just smoking the whole, I used to be building smoke weed. That's fine. But I was totally insecure, you know, surrounded by people like Gervais and Sasha. Well, Sasha wasn't there very often. But, um, uh, Harry, um, Thompson, who was this great producer. And there was all these great writers. And I'm just there thinking, I don't, I was so out of my depth. So out of my depth. And I just did everything that they gave to me. And there were often, well, there were a lot. They brought you in as a kind of actor, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And often there were a lot of lines that Daisy refused to do. And, I'd go, I'll do them. And they were quite often the, 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 the sharp. And also I became aware really early on that I was certainly perceived by a lot of people. And I kind of considered myself the weak link, right? Because you had Gervais, who was, was divided people. People either loved him or hated him. But in my mind was, it was a genius. You had Sasha, who was clearly working on a, a completely different level. And you had Daisy, who was beautiful, right? Uh, and I was this weird, skinny, you know, guy that, I, I, you know, and so all the criticism was aimed at me. Because people like Gervais, people like Sasha, people thought Daisy was beautiful and she was funny as well. But so all the criticism was aimed at me for that show. So I got the blame for all of the bad stuff. And there was a load of bad stuff in it. Um, and uh, and I was, had low self-esteem, and I was, you know, was heading towards becoming a, a cocaine addict, and you know, and all of this, and and I didn't know how to cope with it, so I would, I I, I went nuts, took it on board. Mm. I think, Dave. Go I, on. I also find it interesting that there are there's a whole generation of people who think you are that guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's partly why I did the jungle. Amy, could you say out loud what our exact out time is, please? 58.30. 58.30. Did you ever, I, I never asked you this, did you ever watch the 11 o'clock show, Boyley? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I think so. But, uh... What, what, what were you at, where were you at that period? You'd have been at university, wouldn't you? What time, so what... I was, it was 99 to 2001 or right, 2. Right, okay, well no, I was, I'd finished, you know, I was doing my um, postgraduate diploma at that point, so I was going in and out of London. And, okay. Um, I was never in. I might not have seen it very much. Okay. I, I was aware of it, yeah. but I wasn't, you know, there are people that... Um, are still obsessed with it and think, you know, it's... No, it's not obsessed There are right people. Now. When no we go, honestly, there are people that make a beeline for you because you're the, nine, yeah. you're the 11 o'clock show guy. I, I remember being aware of it. I remember watching it. Um, but, but it didn't have really... I'm not being offended. I'm doing... It, it didn't really have an impact. That was at the kind of the prime of me going out. Right. And there wasn't catch-up TV, so no, if you weren't no. in, you didn't see it, that did you? It. You had to watch it when it was on. Yeah. You didn't really miss a lot. There was some. I look back and think, geez, I had a, I hosted a proper TV show, and I didn't, I, and I wasted the opportunity because I'm there with all these really talented people, and uh, there were so many opportunities given to me, and I didn't, I didn't take them because mm. I was, I was, I, 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 I was terrified. I didn't take them, and I thought, well, I'm in now, so I'll, I will always be in. But I turned down so much. I told you I turned down. This was when I was doing Rise. This was a couple of years later. I turned down guest hosting um they think uh, have i got news for you once because i was terrified absolutely terrified um and i was doing a lot of cocaine then and it, it would have been it would have been all right 
I don't know. I don't like panel shows. I did They Think It's All Over twice and hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Horrible, horrible shitty boys club with horrible shitty bully boys bullying you. And oh, it was horrible. Yeah. Is hated it. it. It's the, the sports boy is, oh. is kind of your nemesis, isn't it? Minnie Jones intimidating me. Halfway through filming, Gary Lineker turning going, who are you? Gee, oh, it was horrible. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Uh, hated it. You know, even now I'm, I'm cringing with embarrassment. It was awful. And yeah. they still show it on Dave, I think, or Gold from time to time. And it was just, that was the worst. That was the worst. That and the live show I hosted from Edinburgh once was the worst thing. Someone there mentioned with the beef between the 11 o'clock show and, and Stuart and Lee Genuine. Yeah, it was. From their point of view, I was a big fan. And then I found out they were slagging me off on the show. Um... And that, that, that crushed me. But Richard Herring has said since that actually they didn't realise it would have that much of an impact oh, no, on you. Oh, no, no, and I've made, peace, I've made peace with Richard Herring and I've seen Stuart Lee. I've not spoken to Stuart Lee about it, saying that I've not seen him for years. But I've been in a green room with Stuart Lee uh -huh. and, and made polite conversation. And they, they were a bit jealous, weren't they, that you were getting... Apparently so, apparently That's so. That's what it they, was. They, they eyed us, Richard certainly eyed us enviously in the same way that we probably eyed him. Because well, they were cool. Slightly enviously, yeah. yeah. Dave says... Knowing what you know, would you still do the jungle? Yes, man! Because I'm living in a really lovely house because it got me half of my deposit. Um, I tell you, I got, I tell, I'll, I'll tell you, I got, I got the lowest fee on that. I got 45 grand for doing I'm a Celebrity, which is, which is, is, is great. It was the lowest out of anyone that year. Um, and that was half of my deposit for a house. Um, and I really, really needed that money. I would not be living in a house, such a lovely house now, if I hadn't done that show. I'm also pretty confident I got my contract renewed here for two years. When I came out, first thing I did was phone the kids. I spoke to you, I think, mm -hmm. Catherine. I spoke to my agent, I think it was like the second or third call that I made. And he said, right, I've got, we've got some business for you. Uh, 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 just let you know your contract has been renewed at talk for two years and you got pay rise. I wouldn't have got that, I don't think, if I'd have done the jungle because they kind of got rid of everybody or, or certainly moved Paul and, and Julia around. So I don't think I'd have got that. I got loads of work on Good Morning Britain that paid really, really well. Um, so although I got comparatively, compa you know, compared to the other contestants, little, 45 grand, that's not to be sneezed at. I'll have some of that. First time I've ever said that in public. I made two, three, four times, I don't know, out of this and out of the Good Morning Britain and out of the TV work. And I got a few corporate gigs out of it. So, uh, yeah, I had a nervous breakdown afterwards. Um, but it, I got some really good friends out of it, Jenny and her husband and Shappy, who I still speak to. Um, I got the house. Uh, I got to... Um, reenact falling down a well on on a national breakfast television show yeah i had a breakdown yeah i picked up cocaine in the end but that might have happened anyway i got a bit of celebrity that's always nice for the ego I got kids recognizing me my kids were proud of me and thought i was a hero yeah man i'll do it again daryl do you want to come in come in daryl come and join us here i am come and join us here i am no phones. <laughs> Welcome. No, mate. That's why we've spent the last hour and a half Wanging on. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good. I'll save you writing the book, though, hasn't it? Because that was... Well, it has. Um, Someone could could transcribe that, and that is the book. 5830, you've got plenty of time. Yeah. Plenty of time. Calm down. Woo. 
We've got Take no course, you don't even need headies on. Take a breath. Okay. Right. No one's, no one's going to surprise us, is it? I quite like hearing myself. You oh, egomaniac. I know, I know what you mean. I like a little Old bit of thing. Old school. While you do that, I've had to clear my bag oh. out because I had a leak in the bag. Not like that. So you carry on. I'm going to have my back to you. I'm just tidying stuff up so that we can get out of time. <laughs> right. Up. What have you got, Daryl? What's coming on? <laughs> Catherine pretending she's the grown-up. What have you got, Daryl? <laughs> All right, bum <laughs> well, What are you going to tell us? If someone comes in, you give them, you know, look them in the eye and, and talk That's to them. That's all right. I'm just honoured to be in the same room as Don't him. Don't be. He's a swine. I'm honoured to be in the face. same room. <laughs> Let the man... He's only got a million and ten seconds because uh, of you. Okay. Go. Uh, Rat Scabies is on the show uh, a little bit later on. Do you know Rat Scabies? Second mention of Scabies in a day. Is it? Who'd have thunk it? He is the drummer from uh, The Damned, oh. uh, who worked with... He was kind of a bit of a roadie for Ginger Baker for a long time, uh, and so got the measure of the man, looked uh -huh. him in the white of his eyes, uh, got scorned by him on more than one occasion. So we're going to speak to him um, in a little bit. Um, do you want a hand? That's no, right. I just, I just had a leak in the... What the leak? Honey and um, ginger and uh, lemon, lemon tea, and oh. it's gone everywhere. So why do, why do bad tea. things happen to good people? Eh? <laughs> thank you. Thank Always. Because I don't do the lid up tight enough. Oh. Always. Stick it. Carry on, please. <laughs> Your 15 seconds. Uh, oh, we're going to talk about Brexit as well, uh, but also about Brexit. If we've, we've lost the ability to joke about Brexit, if comedy has suffered because of our polarisation in our politics, we'll do that with Mark Dolan, who's always on talk radio, he's never off. <laughs> Is this the Mark Dolan? Yeah, we, um, we have to. We have to put. There's a certain amount of Mark Dolan you have to put on every show. So. <laughs> that guy. We're going to fill our Mark Dolan quota. Right people. Yeah. Uh, we are back tonight at ten, maybe with phones. Who knows? This dear listener is Talk Radio. This is Talk Radio. 